We bought a mic. We bought a mic. We bought a pop culture podcast. And you're listening to it through your ear holes. Whether you're biking or driving or sitting in your bed, we're whispering in your ear like this. All right. Oh, oh, we got a solo going on. Okay. There we go. Okay. <laughs> that was the front bottoms at the end there. Okay. Yeah. I didn't know if you noticed. <laughs> yeah. Okay. We're recording this time. Welcome to We Bought a Mic, a pop culture podcast that only has two people and has always only had two people. Um, I am pop. This is culture. Uh, I am Hunter right. Mobley. And this is culture. And this is Drew Dietzen, and there's no Ernest this week, and if the engineering sounds better, that's why. And if it sounds worse, then it's not related yeah. at all to the fact that I'm doing this. So we've been looking forward to doing just a duo podcast for a while, because we can talk about shit that Ernest doesn't like. Yeah. Like, pop culture. Yeah, like, yeah, movies, TV. He really doesn't like anything that we like. Yeah. He just mostly is an f- engineering fan. Yeah, he, he's, yeah. He, he hates reading up on all this stuff. He hates talking about it. Um, so this week we get to finally just enjoy ourselves uh, with no earnest. Um, so there's there is a decent amount of news this week that we can start with, but later we got some fun stuffs. We got a little new bit we're gonna do. I want it to become a recurring bit. I don't know about you. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna do some recasting. We're gonna test our chops at uh at being a casting agent. Which I think honestly would be like one of the coolest jobs in the world. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, especially because we're doing. Uh, so later on the show, we're going to be recasting The Office mm-hmm. with any any actor or actress from any time period. Yeah, I, I don't know about you, but I did end up choosing mostly just people from the past like ten years or so. Oh yeah, I mean definitely yeah. <laughs> same. Just because it's more easy. I mean, The Office. We'll get to it wherever we get to that segment but like it's since it is such a very like current show with its comedic timing that it's hard to like imagine just like what would a young judy garland be like yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah and it's just it's hard to even imagine because we know how they ended up looking in the future and being as old people so it's hard to just completely erase all that knowledge but yeah we're gonna do it it's it's an ambitious project and we're up for it um but yeah, let's let's get into a little bit of news. Um, so first of all, Jake Gyllenhaal got cast. Is was it just talks, or did he officially get cast? I don't know if it's official yet, but uh, they have released that they the new uh, the villain for Spider Man Homecoming two, which I'm hoping yes. isn't Homecoming two. By the way, just call it Spider Man Prom. <laughs> Um, Where's Ernie with the, the, yeah, we, the we, sound effects? We got jokes now. <laughs> uh, but uh, that the main villain for Spider-Man 2, the Marvel Disney property, will be Mysterio. And I think that Jake Gyllenhaal, I'm not sure if he's officially signed on to it or not, but I would assume so because usually Disney like keeps kind of things, unless it's uh, directors for Star Wars franchises, they're pretty like set that whenever they hire somebody to play a character it is that character so i would i would believe it i'm all for it uh mysterio is actually one of the most like interesting characters in the whole spider-man canon just because he doesn't his superpower is that he's able to kind of manipulate what you see and everything else um which is pretty cool i 
Uh, I did read a lot of articles that are like, this Spider-Man's going to get trippy with Mysterio. It's not going to get trippy. It, I mean... I hope that's not. I don't want Doctor Strange yeah, Spider-Man. Well, just because even Doctor Strange wasn't super out there visually, so like the villain being like that, it's not going to take over the movie, but um, I'm happy. I mean, I love Jake Gyllenhaal. He's really... He's carved out a role for himself in Hollywood without being... He's had a couple... Maybe just one, but a massive, massive failure. Not It wasn't his fault, but... Uh, Prince of uh, Persia, did, yeah, did not work out. That was his last attempt at like a big blockbuster type franchise. Yeah, like, I mean, he was stepping in there thinking that he could turn that into a movie franchise. And yeah, it just that was but, a bad movie. I mean, but then he came in like not too long after that with like Enemy and Nightcrawler and all these and Prisoners, which. He, and he's done a few war movies, but he he is really good at intense characters. Oh I yeah, I mean definitely. Even uh, I never saw it, but I've heard that the movie itself stronger than he was in last year. I heard mm. the movie itself isn't that great. The but boxing is, movie, yeah, but yeah. he's amazing in it, and I can believe that just because he gets so into his character. That mm-hmm. um, yeah, I I think th- I don't the the weird part is I don't see this character being super intense because spider-man is a pretty light-hearted franchise mm. i mean i hope it's not too intense because homecoming was great and had, and michael keaton did well as the villain because he wasn't I, there was a lot of great tension obviously with the the now like semi famous uh car scene the prom scene and everything mm. homecoming scene whatever just call it a uh, spide spidey hawkins there's another one that's free oh, god oh um, kill me but I, it is like a kind of a clash of tones. Basically, we're going to see if Gyllenhaal can be uh, funny and scary at the same time. I just hope that, I mean, I I expected Infinity War to have a very bland, dull villain in Thanos, and they were able to turn that into somebody who is very relatable and that you understand their motives. So I'm hoping, I'm hoping that Marvel has kind of learned from its past mistakes, and they'll try to actually develop all of their villains. Because, I mean, usually... Those are uh, pretty much all the time. It's th- those are make for the most compelling villains, except for like a couple examples, maybe like the Joker in the Dark Knight movies. Yeah, he's not exactly relatable, but not quite. Heath, but Jake Gyllenhaal also isn't Heath Ledger, so I'm not. Yeah. They need to give him some kind of a back. Yeah, exactly. Backing. He, I mean, he can play a mean uh, sociopath turned psychopath like he did in Nightcrawler. But I, I honestly, I don't see this going wrong. Like maybe it won't be ideal, but. Uh, people are like worried because you know Gyllenhaal's kind of mishandled his career a tiny bit, and just that he didn't have the full bloom that a lot of people expected. Um, but I mean, he honestly, I'm not, and I'm not saying I'm the biggest Marvel fan, but you got to trust Marvel at this point. They're yeah. they're making the right calls, and this is probably just another right call. Right? I mean, and I actually, I, it, Jake Gyllenhaal does get some shit for that, but I actually kind of respect a lot of the decisions that he's made in his acting career because there are plenty of other chances. Prince of Persia really was his only shot at trying to do a blockbuster. But I mean, Mm -hmm. if you look at like not very many A-list actors would have signed up to be in a movie like Enemy. Yeah, no. Like Enemy is just, it's extremely art house type film. Essentially what he's done is uh, he's pulled a Charlize Theron where mm-hmm. where she yep. y- people were saying like oh she should do everything she should be like the main every you know the biggest star in the world and then she was like how about i just actually make good movies yeah. instead <laughs> which that's i would love that choice a lot of people you know maybe he's a little bit more less known than like chris pratt or something but i mean shit he's doing well for himself yeah definitely um, so another big casting news and this i'm super hype about they announced uh the full cast or most of the full cast for it chapter two yeah i think they've released everybody except for who's gonna play uh mike 
Um, um, I think true. Mike is the only one. Who, Mike Hanlon is the only one who hasn't been announced yet as we're recording this on Sunday. Okay. But um, we have... Uh, most notably, I saw on here Beverly Marsh as Je- or Jessica Sta- Jessica Chastain as Beverly Marsh, which is perfect. Like that's that is so perfect. Yeah, that's that's honestly, I I like her. She's great. Um, and she, I don't know if you noticed this, she does have red hair. I, I maybe that was why I thought that was perfect. Yeah, it's it's choices like this that make me think I could be a casting agent. <laughs> yeah. You're like good actress, mm, and she has red, red hair. hair. That's perfect. Mm. Um, also, Reba McIntyre. <laughs> I'm really really excited for this. Is uh, James McAvoy as adult stuttering Bill? I think that that's great. Um, and I was not really as big of a fan as a lot of people were of Split last year. Mm. Um, I had Colin. plenty of issues with that movie, but none of them involved James McAvoy. I thought that he was absolutely... He was transfixing every time that he came on the screen. True. Uh, so playing Fat Ben Hanscom turned uh, Sexy Ben Hanscom as an adult. We have Jay Ryan. Don't know who that is. He- uh, he's in uh, Top of the Lake. Um, and I don't know what else. He looks like a knockoff Channing Tatum, so I have a wild card that I wish was playing this role. Channing Tatum is who. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I I understand that in the books and everything that Ben isn't, like, a little fat kid anymore and that he actually grows up and becomes, like, I think in the the book and in the old TV miniseries, he becomes an architect. Yeah. Like a good, young... Yeah, in the miniseries, he was... (sighs) I, I think it was John Ritter that played him. He was like, yeah. he was bearded, and, and John Ritter's a pretty. But John good Ritter's dude. still like, he had a little bit of chub on him. This guy Jay Ryan just looks like he kind of looks like a hunk. Like, I yeah. don't know. I mean, he's gonna definitely try to fuck Jessica Chastain, so that's got to be believable. Um, yeah, but yeah, I'm about that. But then, the, I mean, obviously the MVP, we got Bill Hader coming in here. Yes. That, oh my God. Yeah. As as Richie, which is also like just perfect casting yeah, that's for that dope. character. Um, I'm I'm excited to see him do. I mean, of course, like we've all raved about Barry on this podcast, but just seeing his ability to both be like the the comic relief while also that he showed that during his SNL days, but also being able to show that he can play very dramatic roles. Yeah, exactly. He's yeah. Barry was a great audition for this essentially, and then we have uh, playing Stanley the. Ugly kid is uh, Andy Bean, who is an ugly adult. Which uh, spoiler, Stan kills himself like as an yeah. adult. So he, Andy Bean's probably not going to do much in this movie. Basically, Sean Bean, he's going to die. Yeah, he's going to die very early <laughs> on. Um, um, and then Eddie is being played by uh, James Ransone. Mm-hmm. I don't know who this guy is, but he looks just like that kid. He was, yeah, he does look like that kid. He was also uh, most notably he was in The Wire. Actually, okay. he played Ziggy in The Wire. Okay. So I don't really know if he's done he, anything else. This oh, okay, is... he was. He does have some horror movie experience because he was in Sinister and Sinister 2. Okay. So well. two bad horror movies. <laughs> Hopefully this I will mean, not he's, be bad. I mean, he's got the look. The thing is that, honestly, it's kind of sad for him because Jack Grazer was like the MVP of It 1. He was so fucking mm-hmm. funny. And I don't know. Maybe this guy's good. Who knows? Yeah, I, uh, I'm interested. He looks like he could play like a little mama's boy so i i can buy that um yeah, and then we're still waiting on I'm, mike i'm really interested in who they're gonna get as mike because i f- have a feeling that mike is gonna have a lot more to do mm-hmm. in it chapter two at least i really hope so because mike is a really fascinating character especially because he's the only character that actually stays behind in dairy everybody else moves on with their lives and he kind of stays there and one of the interesting things i don't know if we talked about it, um whenever we actually did the podcast on it 
but uh, in the books, this of course is in the TV series because it was made for TV. But Mike has this like fascination with like reliving uh, and like seeing Pennywise, like remind himself that that really happened. Hell so he yeah. goes on these like crazy drug trips where he like inhales this like intense smoke and he like trips <laughs> out. And in the books, this is actually how he sees like the birth of Derry and this meteor like comes and hits the hits the ground where Derry uh, forms and that's where Pennywise crawls out of. And I believe that's also how it's introduced this whole like giant tortoise god thing, which is supposed <laughs> to be like the antithesis to Pennywise. Yeah, I yeah. doubt all of that will make it in there because <laughs> that's Stephen King was just fucked up out of his mind, yeah. like doing mountains of cocaine. Honestly, while he was that all this. sounds awesome though. But that would be incredible if like, they put some of that shit in there. It's rated R, well, so like, why not? We also don't know which traits are going to be assigned to which characters because in in mm. uh in the you know the first movie they did give a lot of Mike's stuff to the little fat boy. Yeah, like he became like the dictionary kid who like read up on this whole city and everything. Yeah, I really hope that we get more from Mike because it was kind of a bummer that the only like the only black kid in the entire cast like really got nothing to yeah. do. Maybe they're just still working out their contract with like Donald Glover or some shit. <laughs> <laughs> that would I'm be just a kidding. casting that, w- that would cost a lot of money yeah. at this point. And Donald Glover is a hot commodity. Yeah. Um, so uh, the other big news that just dropped is James Mangold, who wrote, co-wrote and directed Logan, is making a Boba Fett Star Wars movie. So... Um, so- how do you fucking feel? <laughs> I was going to ask you how you feel about this. So, I like James we, Mangold. I love Logan. I don't give a shit about Boba Fett. Okay, so um we're not reviewing uh we're not reviewing Solo this episode of the podcast cuz we're going to wait for Ernest to come back to, before we do a review of that. Um I will just say uh Solo reiterated why I have no fucking desire for a Boba Fett movie. Like Obi-Wan movie, I'm all for that. Like just bring back my boy Ewan. Like I'm, I'm all, all in on a Boba Fett movie. But you mean on or a, on a on an Obi Wan yeah, movie? Yeah. Boba Fett, like it's the same thing as Han Solo, where this character works best as a side character in a different story. Same kind of thing that we had whenever we were talking about Deadpool. Like Deadpool, I feel like he would work in like an X Force movie or something like that, where he just provides like a little bit of comic relief. He breaks the fourth wall like a couple of times, yeah. but not when there's a whole story centered around him and his backstory. I agree with that. And then also I just thought of something, you know, what would have been a better idea than doing a standalone Han movie is a standalone Poe Dameron movie. Cause Oscar Isaac is about a million times fucking better than Alden. Rah, 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 whatever that Alden guy's. third, I'm, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he is German or something. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so, like, I mean, I don't really have much to say about it. I love Logan. I think Logan's amazing. But yeah, I'm sure it'll be the whole thing fucking is good, but... That, like, I was trying to think about is... Okay, so with Logan, James Mango proved that he can do a genre Western movie. He can do, like, a superhero sci-fi Western type movie. Is he just going to try and do that again for Boba Fett? Because if so, it's like, well, we already saw him do that with logan i don't need to see that again like with instead of it being wolverine you're doing it with boba fett a star wars character like it's the same it's like you're double dipping in that the would same pot that'd be really funny if it was just logan but <laughs> no i honestly i could not give a shit i hunter saw uh solo i did not i'm going to have to before next <laughs> week i don't want to I just, I just couldn't give a shit. Like Last Jedi, I will admit that was a good movie, but I knew that you wouldn't like 
Solo because you are a Star Wars fan, but you have some sense in your head. I do have some sense, and I don't want to completely spoil my our review whenever we get <laughs> to it. But I'm just going to say now, I don't think that Solo is terrible, but I do think that Solo Han Solo is the least interesting character in a movie that has the name Solo in the title, yeah. and that's a bad sign. I feel like that's going to be the same type of thing with Boba Fett. Is there'll be like, yeah, maybe we'll throw some cool, interesting characters in there, but like. Who cares? Like it, he's essentially a side character in the story, and it doesn't work whenever you try to make an entire story about that character. A Lando movie, though, I'm all for, but that's just because <laughs> Donald Glover. <laughs> yeah, that'd be chill. But okay, so that's it for movie news. Before we get into, we have three new albums that are all really good that I do want to talk about. But first, uh, some music news that just came out literally today. Uh, Amir Van from Brockhampton, who is their main uh, rapper aside from Kevin Abstract, he's basically their co-frontman. He's on mm. all three of their album covers from last year. Uh, is out of Brockhampton, and this is coming after for a few months now. There have been talkings of like sexual misconduct stuck with him. There was just never anything concrete, but he released a statement a while back, and he said something like, "You know, while I did." Uh, I have been like emotionally neglectful. I never did anything illegal. And like someone, there were accusations that he had sex with a minor and stuff like that. And he was like, no, 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 that I didn't do any of that, but I am just a huge asshole piece of shit. Um, turns out he probably did do that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Cause he is out of Brockhampton at this point. This is coming a couple weeks after the news that they signed a huge deal with RCA to put out five albums this year. So Brockhampton, uh, they put out a statement uh, yesterday or today that they have canceled all their tour dates coming up um, because they need to regroup. They need to figure I I mean, he Amir, his shtick was kind of getting old toward the end of last year with Brock Hamden. All his verses sound the same. They do. He yeah, has the yeah. same flow on every single song. I'm not saying he's bad, but it was getting a bit old while everyone else was kind of growing. Um, the thing is, he has more airtime in their songs than anyone, than even Kevin. He has a yeah. verse in every single song, almost. Like he has a verse in well, most he is, songs. He is their lead producer, correct? Um, I don't know. I don't know about that. Okay, I thought that he was one of their main producers as well. Which that's more one of the things that worried me more so than losing him as a rapper, because as a rapper, like you said, like he his shit does kind of all sound the same, and it's very like. I know that he takes up a lot of airtime, but I feel like it's very easily replaceable by yeah. other members of Brockhampton stepping into that role. Yeah, but they obviously have to figure out how they're going to perform this stuff moving forward, because are they even yep. going to say his words that he wrote? I would doubt that. At the show before this news broke, they uh, all the, the songs that had a verse from him, they just stood in silence on stage. They didn't... Wow. Yeah, and it was kind of a statement of like... And then kind of just like a fuck, what do we do? Because he's just gone now. I mean, but like, I honestly, I support the band for doing this. Like, there's not many bands that I feel like would just be like, you know what? Like, they they acknowledge that, hey, a member of their of their group did something that was horrible and something that was really wrong. And they're standing up against it. They're not denying it. They're not trying to, like, pretend like it didn't happen. Like, yeah. they are acknowledging it and stepping out in front of it. And for that, I really respect them. For a group of, like, who are essentially kids. Yeah. Like, they're all, like, very young adults. Yeah, they're, they're like, like, younger than we are. Yeah. And them being able to ha show that maturity to do something like this is really impressive. Yeah, this is this is uh, definitely a good move for them. It's a good... It's a better look than keeping the guy. Um, There's still no word on, like, exactly what he did, but... I mean, if he's if he's leaving Brockhampton, it ain't good. So, yeah. 
Yeah, but anyway, let's get into some good music news. So we have three new albums this week that I have not stopped listening to. It is a yes. It's probably the strongest week of the year. This for has music. been a wild week because there have also been like a couple other albums I haven't even gotten a chance to listen to. Like I know Churches released an album this yeah, week, yeah. and like I just have it. Parliament released an album, but that album is an hour and forty five minutes, and I don't have time for that <laughs> shit. But I just an awesome week for yeah. music. So let's let's get into an album that everyone has time for. Uh, Pusha T's new album, because this album A is pro- Daytona. Yeah, it it was originally it's been hyped for years as King Push. He put mm-hmm. out an album that was literally called like a prelude to King Push. Uh, last second, he changed the name to Daytona, and uh, he Kanye West who produces uh, you know Pusha T and produced this entire album decided at the last second to pay $85,000 to change the album cover to a picture of Whitney Houston's bathroom that she died in. I didn't realize that's what this was, but now I'm looking at it and that's that's an interesting so, choice, Kanye. Yeah, so there's that that's weird and that's not uh not a very considerate thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> um but this album is fucking incredible. This I've, is, yeah. I've listened to this album probably like six times in like three days because it just covers one car ride to work. And yeah, it's it's only 21 minutes long. It's yeah, like it's six seven, songs, seven, seven songs. Seven songs. They're all three minutes each. It is so, it's so breezy and fast and I wish more artists would do this because there's not one song that I want to skip. I listen to every single song. Like that is such a rarity um for me especially i hate filler songs i hate it when a band just like throws something in to take up space and there's just none of that in here it's just it's all killer no filler like some 41 said yeah and um other thing is because we're gonna next we're gonna move into asap's album which i do also like that album but there is a lot of there yeah. are multiple songs that are very skippable oh yeah or this song this album like there are like some major highlights in here but there's not really a bad song uh hard piano I love uh, with Rick piano. Ross. Yeah, with Rick Ross. And even What Would Meek Do, mm-hmm. song featuring Kanye, yeah. which kind of bummed me out because I have a feeling that the verse that Kanye has on that song is going to be better than anything that he does in his <laughs> new album. It may be. Honestly, I have no idea what to expect with Kanye. He's he's Rain Man, but the thing he's stupid at is every opinion that he has, and then the thing he's smart at is music. Do you want to talk a little <laughs> bit about uh the about infrared and the whole Drake Pusha T rivalry so, beef that we have? Yeah, going on so now? this album, I'm going to talk a little bit about this more about this album first. He Pusha's lyrics are always insanely good. It's mm-hmm. it's it's drug dealing poetry. Like he, it is. You could call it one dimensional. But Pitchfork said something that I think is really true. Calling it that is reductive. It's kind of putting it down. He's really a specialist. He's not one-dimensional. He just knows he's the best at rapping mm-hmm. about dealing cocaine for 20 years. And he's rapped about dealing cocaine for 20 years. Um, and it is just... It's incredible. He He's kind of gotten it down to his science. Um, and he's just been rock solid for so long at this. And then Kanye's beats are... I mean... God damn it, Kanye! Just shut up. Yeah, just stop talking just, and just do it. And or it, the very just stop listening to whoever's the loudest person next to you who has the worst opinion. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's what happens with him. He just hears someone say something and he's like, "Whoa, that was deep," and it wasn't deep. But <laughs> the beats are just so good on this fucking album. It pisses me off yeah. how good the beats are. He he always kind of uh, goes a little bit less uh, noisy and a little smaller for Pusha because that's kind of what it, the the uh, the rap calls for. They work together so well, um, and he also utilizes more samples with Pusha's music. And Kanye is the best sample user in hip hop history. Like oh, it, I mean, without a doubt, it's like, just it's unreal how 
he can make two completely unrelated sounds go together like a verse and a chorus. Like it's so unique and it's so special. Um, I, I but yeah, to get into the beef. So in this album, he goes after in various points Drake, Lil Wayne. He goes after Migos uh, with the line about how they cheapened Patex. Yeah. Um, and SoundCloud rappers because he talks shit about pink hair. Basically everyone. He talks mm. shit about everyone. Um, and Drake the same fucking day. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> he puts out a, a diss track. What's it called? Uh, Duppy Freestyle. Mm-hmm. So, like, his his line, he basically attacked Drake for the same reason that Meek Mill's gone after Drake before, saying yeah, that he, he, doesn't, he, he doesn't write his own songs, mm-hmm. and that he, like, his ghostwriter best friend is the one who, like, steals all of his shit. And I'm not going to lie, as much as I love Pusha T's album, uh, Drake kind of fucking destroyed Pusha T on this freestyle. Oh, yeah. Just the fact that it came out the same day, just like in your face. And then there's one line in here where, um, because he at this whole song, Duppy Freestyle, he goes after both Pusha T and Kanye, like attacking both of them. Yeah. But he has uh, one line in the Duppy Freestyle, which he raps in the same flow that Pusha T always raps in. He says, I told you you keep playing with my name and I'm going to let it ring on you like Virginia Williams. Mm-hmm. Like, Virginia Williams is Pusha T's wife. Yeah. Like, just literally going just straight after him and copying his flow to the point of just telling him, like, hey, you're fucking replaceable and I can do what you do if I really yeah. want to do. It's, it honestly is a genuine... Like, uh, Drake is great at diss tracks, whether or not he's writing them. Who knows that much? But either way, uh, it is a really good track, and this is good for both of them. Rap publicity has been built on beef for a long time. Mm-hmm. Like at the end of the day, this is great for both artists. A lot of because I mean, most Drake fans have never ever heard of Pusha T yeah. until now. Yeah, they have very very opposite types yeah. of rap styles. Yeah, so it's it's almost funny that they're feuding in the first place because they're so incredibly different that it's just ridiculous. Drake Drake is uh, a pop artist who is capable of doing really good shit when he puts his mind to it. Um, and then Pusha T just he has one lane and he's been in it for years and years and years. And before he was in that lane in rap, he was just dealing the cocaine. Yeah, I mean, he says <laughs> another uh, line I has on the album is something about just like the only person who sold more dope than me is Easy E. Like yeah. just like saying just like I am like the true like yeah. trap artist. Yeah. So, I mean, both tracks can be good and both of them can have good points. And I think that's what it, the takeaway is mm-hmm. here. They both got at each other pretty good and at the end it's good for both of them it's kind of like like honestly the jay-z beyonce cheating thing like i was just thinking about this jay-z is the only guy to cheat on his wife and make money off of it (laughs) like yeah (laughs) that was good for both of them whether like it was it was kind of a they made it into a stunt like you know they made it into a thing that was profitable for both ends um and this i mean rap beef is like that i like this a lot more than i like j cole's shit because J. Cool's like everyone should be old school like me, and then he's not old school. Yeah, his whole thing was where, uh, like, we kind of talked about it whenever that album came out, but about his whole thing about how he just like spends a whole track attacking SoundCloud rappers and then does exactly what SoundCloud rappers do. Yeah, and at the very least, even if he's not like a SoundCloud rapper, he's just the generation right before that. Like, yeah. shit, you're not that far removed. Like, push the T. He, he has some ground that he's allowed to stand on. I mean, J. Cole is just kind of an in-betweener stylistically. He, he basically is a descendant of Kanye West. So for someone who has that recent of an influence to be like, hey, you should be like me. I'm the old school. You're not. You're yeah, just you're not. not. It's very disingenuous. It's, it's just funny. I don't know. It's like, no, the middle is the answer. Like, it's, it's, a weird, it's a weird hill to die on for J. Cole. It's way better for Pusha to call, you know, to have some beef. Because also he does have some street cred. Yeah, without um, a doubt. 
But yeah, um, so I, I really, this might be my favorite of the three albums we're going to talk about just because it's so tight, like it's so incredibly good. But a close second for me is uh, Parquet Quartz's new album. Oh yes, um, I I was actually going to bring that up. So I just started listening to this late last night. Um, oh really? Have yeah, you have you ever it. listened to them before? No, I haven't. Okay. Um, But this album is amazing. I was actually a little bit scared off whenever you guys were talking about it and said that it was produced by Danger Mouse because while well, I do think Danger Mouse is a really great producer mm. all of his albums all kind of end up sounding the same whenever he steps yeah in it does it does happen particularly that happened in 2013 where black keys and broken bells both put out albums and they were interchangeable yeah you could um, just mix them up <laughs> but this i mean i've i've listened to parquet courts for a few years now they always have uh standout songs on their albums but they've been very out there they've been very uh artsy in the past they've been like productive it's just they they kind of needed someone like Danger Mouse to come in and be like, hey, maybe a little more structure here, maybe verse chorus, maybe, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and it really, I think this is easily their strongest album. Human Performance is definitely worth looking into. It has a few songs that I think are incredible, like Borrowed Time and Dust. Um, but yeah. this this album is, I mean, it, it's a lot longer than Pusha T's, but it's tight in that I don't skip anything from no, it. No, exactly. I was going to bring that up is that I don't really think that there's any major lowlights on this album. Like, yeah. Just from the first song, Total Football, um, Almost Had to Start a Fight is a great song. Like, do this have this great, like, yeah. garagey post punk sound? Yeah. It's, that it almost sounds like from, like, a lost era, this I, music. Like, they don't, you don't really hear songs like this. Yeah. I try, I was trying to think of how to describe their band, and I came up with it's a mix of Queens of the Stone Age, Dead Kennedys, and Velvet Underground. Because yeah. you literally, hearing their stuff, you hear every single decade of rock music, basically. You hear probably more 70s than anything else, more like artsy 70s stuff. Um, but there is, like, the production is very Queens of the Stone Age or um, Eagles of Death Metal type stuff, mm-hmm. like Josh Homme type shit. And this album is just so good. Lyrically, they've always been incredibly smart. Like, they're uh andrew savage i think is his name their their co-front man is he's like he's a poet he writes a lot of poetry he's an artist he's a visual artist he makes all their album covers which i think is really cool that's really cool because they have like insanely cool album covers i mean this album cover looks like it could be from like a 70s rock band yeah like, it's they, very old school looking. yeah and and um there's and like singing i love his voice because it conveys exactly the emotions that uh you know they usually put through which is like anger mixed with this very verbose, like articulate uh, commentary on society. Yeah, so I thought that they were like British, just based on this dude's like, <laughs> like basically it, he he has a bad voice, but like it works for their music. Yeah, because they're punky. But they're no, like, they're from like Texas, and I was like, what? <laughs> that from Denton, Texas? Yeah. What? Um, but this this album really exceeded all my expectations. Almost had to start a fight. Uh, was their single that came out a few weeks ago, and I've been listening to it nonstop. It's one of my favorite singles of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, and this whole album is just, it's fucking killer, man. Like, it's wild. Yeah. Um, uh, another uh, one of my favorite songs on this album is Tenderness, the last song in the album. Mm. That is another great song. I definitely see what you say about some Dead Kennedys with, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. a way that it'll, like, a song will be going, like, the way that you kind of expect it. And it just gets, like, really hard for a second. It has, yeah. like, brief moments of death grips in there, like, just out <laughs> of nowhere. And you're like, oh, okay. Like, but it works. His it's voice, not, like, as His voice as is kind jarring. of, like, white death grips it, White death grips mixed both, with, like, both, both, King Cruel a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> Almost had to start a fight. 
It's such a good album, though. Yeah, like, this I really, really highly recommend this album. This is going to be, I think it might be on my list of my top 10 of the year. E- yeah, it's easily going to be on there for me. This I've been listening to it a lot, and it's only been a few days. Um, I I think this combo with Danger Mouse is just perfect. I yeah. think I think it really brings out the best in both artists, because Parquet Courts are way out there, and Danger Mouse kind of reigns his artists in. So it's just the perfect combo of like structure and chaos, you know? Yeah. Um, but I'm, I'm a big fan of that. And then, okay, so lastly, the same day as all this shit, ASAP Rocky puts out Testing, um, which is his follow-up to At Long Last ASAP from 2015, which was, by most accounts, a letdown. It was his second album uh, coming after his huge debut. Um, and it was it was shortly after he had gotten into Acid, for sure, and like all the tracks are just like, they're so slow and meandering yeah like. and they're, they're psychedelic which i'm a huge fan of psychedelic music but it's not the good kind of psychedelic it's the kind that's like like dude i love acid bro yeah like it's <laughs> it's all like very like free floating and it doesn't really like ever come together at any point to make for good music yeah it's just it's just a bit slow and he tried singing a lot on there and it wasn't no I, it's I didn't, bad <laughs> i was not a fan every day is a great song on there it had a couple great songs um i think that this is much stronger of an album i don't i don't love it but i definitely like it and there there are some standout tracks that i think are genuinely great on here yeah definitely i know um like praise the lord to shine is like one of my favorite songs yeah on with, the album. with skepta yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. With skepta um og beeper is a great song mm-hmm. there are some good songs on here i do think that he's kind of starting to find a little bit of his lane where he has that same i mean there is definitely a little bit of like acid rap uh kind of tones to it all mm. not chance the rapper yeah no no, no but no. No, but like <laughs> that same kind of like very psychedelic sound yeah but it's a little bit it's it's a lot more structured on testing yeah, i i definitely agree uh long live asap was like a huge huge debut and even that did have some psychedelic components to it the beats were i mean they were kind of legendary like uh obviously he had wild for the night with skrillex which yeah. was a really big deal but fucking problems is just Oh yeah, and then Peso and Goldie. Like this was a this was a huge huge album. It had a really distinct sound, um, and this kind of combines the two albums because this does have a lot more psychedelic stuff going on, but it's not the annoying kind for the most part. There are a few songs that are a little meandering, and like the production is just so muddled by all these elements he's trying to put yeah. in that it's just it's too much. It's no longer pleasant. Yeah, it's it's definitely got some skippable tracks on there. Um, I'm not going to lie, I was a little bit bummed by Purity by the last song in the album. Um, I thought that it was good, but anytime I see Frank Ocean as a feature on a song, I just get really excited and I hype it up to myself. Yeah. So I was a little bit let down, but I, I, overall, I still do think this is a good album. It is worth listening to. Yeah, a- I mean, ASAP Forever Remix is great. It's got some uh, Prime Kid Cuddy humming in there, which is always, Ooh, yeah. who doesn't like that? Moby's featured on there. <laughs> Don't know about Sweet. that. Um, <laughs> But yeah, there's there's definitely some good sh- stuff on there. There's just also maybe maybe five to six songs that I don't want to hear. Yeah. Um. But I mean, I I could say that about most albums. It just happens that this came out the same week as two albums that are just all all good. Yeah. I feel and I feel like it's almost like a kind of a product of that where when we've had two really good to great albums coming out in one week along with another album that's pretty good Mm. it's like kind of hard it it gets shined down on a little bit yeah exactly like and he i mean he's definitely getting shadowed by this beef that's going on now because that's all anyone's talking about is the drake track and then the push a t track like that's that's the hip-hop news cycle and then also now amir leaving brockhampton but 
I, I still think it's definitely solid. It's better than his last album. Um, mm-hmm. And there are a few songs that I'm going to listen to all the time. I can already tell. Um, ASAP Forever remix and then Praise the Lord particularly. And OG Beeper. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's a good album. Lyrically, ASAP Rocky never really is... He's not about what he's saying. He's, he's the god of flows. Like, he just knows... Mm-hmm. He knows how to just make it sound effortless without sounding like shit, which is yeah. kind of rare. He's not a rapper who I like because there are some people like even with Pusha T's album. I was listening to the album. I listened through it one time, and the second time I listened to it, I had uh, Genius pulled up on my phone. I was like reading the lyrics as it goes through because yeah. Pusha is one of those rappers who's very conscious about what he's saying while he's yeah, doing yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With testing, I never really felt the need to do that. <laughs> like I, I mean, I, I did like kind of look it up for um. Like kind of look up the lyrics on uh, "Praise the Lord" and uh, "OG Beeper," but other than that, it's kind of like I j- can just kind of dig the flow of a song without really like yeah. wanting. Yeah, he has he has really really good cadences, and there's no need to look into what he's saying too deeply because that he's ASAP is not about that. He's easy listening mm-hmm. mostly. Like yeah. he'll touch on like you know something deeply personal here and there, and something profound, but mostly it's just. It's music for fun, which there's a place for that. It doesn't all have to be dead serious. Yeah, definitely. Definitely agree. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, before uh, we do anything else, we should take a break. I am going to urinate. Um, I don't know about you. Um, I'm going to watch you urinate. We're going to make sure all of this wasn't, like, not recording right now so we don't have to redo all of this Yeah, shit. I did just pull up Audacity because I was like, oh, shit, I haven't been looking. <laughs> and, I, and I think we're good. Okay. All right. Good. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, we will be back in a little bit. Yeah, bye. <laughs> that was that was clean. This is professional. That was much cleaner than when the other guy was engineering this. Yeah, the other guy who I'm gonna have to send this to to edit now because <laughs> I fucked that fade out really bad. Okay. All right, <laughs> we're, and back. we're back. No earnest still. So you know what's one thing that's pop culture mm-hmm. that doesn't get discussed in this podcast? And no thanks to Ernest. Yeah sports what yeah you're talking to this is an episode of we bought a sport mm-hmm. um your sports culture podcast and we're we're not afraid to go there we're gonna we're gonna get into it we have hot takes we have takes yes um, we do so let's let's get into our backgrounds of expertise here because people might be like you know a lot about one thing and another thing yeah let me yeah. let me fucking tell you I, yeah i could i could talk your ear off um, because not all my coworkers want to talk about pop culture. They want to talk about sports. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, we, I mean, me and Hunter grew up in Tallahassee and that's where Florida state football is the only thing that exists. Literally. There's just nothing yep. else. Um, and so, yeah, I got really, really into sports, like really early, uh, into my life. Um, and it's, I mean, there are issues we'll say like with football there are moral issues and all that stuff oh yeah without a doubt um (laughs) and so recently we've both been getting a lot more into basketball particularly nba basketball because colleges 
absolute trash. Yeah. Well, college has a whole bunch of other issues that we don't have time to yeah, get into yeah. today gonna... with the whole one and done and why nothing matters <laughs> and all that other kinds of shit. Not, today. Not paying athletes, all that fun stuff. Yeah. Next week. But uh, yeah, I think that we both kind of mutually kind of came to this point like in high school at some point together where it was like, I still really like football uh particularly the nfl like uh, we talked about whenever we did the super bowl but i'm a huge patriots fan Mm -hmm. um so but basketball yikes i am just problematic (laughs) for basketball really got into uh basketball back in like 2008 or so was uh whenever i really started following it i was picked up every now and then but i started watching the magic and i realized that hey, this is a horribly run franchise, and I don't like cheering for teams that have horribly run franchises. Nah, yeah, exactly. That's that's the main takeaway, is if your team is run by idiots, you're never going to win, no matter how hard you root and for it them. Doesn't, yeah, and that's the whole thing. I don't. I kind of hate the whole bandwagon argument, because like, I don't think that you should be like penalized as a fan for like not wanting to cheer for stupidity. You would like, say if that, you, you fucking bandwagoner. <laughs> okay, I've been cheering for Boston teams for like my entire life, but <sighs> I, I wanted to say like I've just kind of I appreciate like if you can recognize that your team like these people who you're devoting your time your energy your money to and it's just being like totally mismanaged then I would understand you wanting to follow a team that is extremely well run like the Boston Celtics drew no I unlike you I have morals and because of that I'm a Warriors fan (laughs) there you go no, yeah, we, me and Hunter, uh, dormed together at, in college, and we would play uh at the NBA 2K games, which is another great way, honestly, to get into basketball. Oh yeah, um, definitely. And I, I was playing, I kept on playing with Golden State because I was like, yo, this Curry guy like doesn't miss. Yeah, he he's maxed out his shot. Why isn't he famous? Why aren't the Warriors good? Um, because they really weren't that good. They were like first round of the playoffs good. That was this yeah. was back when they still had Monte Ellis and David Lee. By the way, feel free to fast forward if I'm just sounding like nonsense to you, because <laughs> um, it's not going to get any better. We're we're going to get back to some pop culture, but while Ernest isn't here, we can finally talk about sports that we've been wanting to talk yeah, about in here. Yeah. So it's 2013, and they still have Mark Jackson as their coach. And I was like, why is why is Curry so fucking good, and no one knows his name? Turns out he had had really bad ankle issues. Um, his whole career, and he was like on the verge of almost retiring and shit. And yeah. then, and then he just got it together in the course of like a year. He started doing like some freaky LeBron shit or something with his ankles, <laughs> um, where he's just invincible now. Well, now he's not. He's his ankles hurt again. But, um, the year after that is the year that they fired Mark Jackson, got Steve Kerr, got rid of who Monte. who we both were a huge fan of before he was a coach, just because yeah. he was the most competent ESPN. Yeah, he's a great, person. great commentator. Great, uh, he has great sound bites on the two K games. <laughs> yeah, that was the real thing. <laughs> yeah, and whereas Mark Jackson does not, and I yeah. don't like his commentating because he just says his phrases. He goes, yeah. he goes, hand down, man down. He's like the Phil Sims of basketball, where yeah. he's just like that guy's a basketball player. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, he is, because he's on the court and you're, dribbling yeah, the ball. Dead right, Mark. And then he's like, uh, he goes, Mama, there goes that man. <laughs> and, they, and they cut to commercial. It's after like a dunk. Well, I mean, but I, okay, so 
I've always been a big Curry fan since his time at Davidson, actually, because I remember the first year that I ever did a bracket, like back in middle school, high school, I was more into college because like we said, we were in Tallahassee, which is a big college town. Mm. Um, and I filled out a bracket and I just like kind of fell in love with Davidson and this kid Curry who was like shooting the ball from half court. And I was like, oh my God, this kid's amazing. And I think he ended up taking him to like the sweet 16 or something like that. And I was like, this guy's going to be great. And then the draft came and he went like 15th, 16th or something. And then mm-hmm. he kind of, he got, he had some injuries and everything else, but we were both really into Golden State before yeah. the KD times, before the 73 win season, before all of yeah, this and, happened. And I don't even give a shit if anyone calls me a bandwagoner because I'm not, by definition, I'm not, and I don't care what you say. Um, I've never been to San Francisco. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so that takes us to the playoffs this year where we have two game sevens in the conference finals happening, which has not happened since 1979. Yeah, which is wild. I I. Before we kind of get to that, I wanted to ask what has what's been your uh, opinion on the playoffs this season so far? Um, I mean, it's been it's been pretty solid. I love the NBA playoffs. I have a coworker who coworker who complains that they're too long, and it's like, no. uh, sorry, but that's good. <laughs> no, well, and <laughs> I have I actually prefer like the NBA playoffs to like something like the NFL because the NFL, let's say, you could get hot for three or four straight games and win the Super Bowl. Yeah. With a best-of-seven series... Giants. Pretty much all the time. Yeah. <laughs> um, with a best-of-seven series, pretty much the best team always wins. Yeah. Like, in almost in 95% of circumstances, the best team wins. Exactly. So, yeah, we... I, I think it's been a pretty solid playoffs, and the conference finals have definitely been great. There have been a lot of, of blowouts uh, leading up to this, which is not the and best to watch. I was going to say, like, that... Despite the fact that we have two game sevens, I think that because there was all this talk that the conference finals were going to be better than the actual NBA finals whenever we get there, but like it's been a little bit rocky to me. There have been some all time like classic games that we've had in this postseason, but there have also been like look at the Rockets Warriors series. It took until game four for there to actually be a competitive game. It was blowouts going both ways. Yeah. And it was all over the place because it was just. One team was hitting on all cylinders and the other team could not make a basket. Yeah, it is. It's kind of an unusual thing. Um, but I mean, I've still enjoyed watching it either way. Um, mm. And then we the the climax that we're reaching coming in tonight and then I think tomorrow yep. is the other game seven is awesome. We have in the Eastern Conference, we have your Celtics without their two biggest stars, Kyrie Irving and Gordon Hayward facing off against LeBron and no one else on the Cavs. Yeah, because Kevin Love is out. Yeah, so it's so literally we're, we're watching ultimate team ball versus ultimate solo ball, and it's so interesting. It's it's it, really, really fascinating to watch, especially just because you have to keep in mind, like, the thing with the Celtics is they're only going to get better. Yeah. Jason Tatum is a rookie. He is 20 years old. Yeah. He is – they're two top scorers right now. Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are a combined 41 years old. Yeah, they, they're, I, I mean, I honestly love the Boston Celtics. I hate the Patriots, but I really like the Celtics. This is a great team. I am always a big fan of good coaching, and Brad Stevens is probably the best coach in the NBA. Yep. I would have given that to Steve Kerr a couple years ago, but some games, I don't know if you've been watching these Houston games, but they, they'll have like 20 minutes where there's just no offense happening, and yeah. they break down completely. Okay, so I was actually uh, kind of looking into this, and like, uh, Bill Simmons has talked about it before, but Steve Kerr, uh, a couple years ago, he had to have like major back surgery. And you can yeah. kind of tell, like, whenever there's a big play, Brad Stevens runs out on the court immediately and is like calling timeout. Mm-hmm. Where 
Steve Kerr, like, it seems like, I don't know if it's a little bit of the hangover from the back surgery and everything, but he doesn't seem to no, have that same pep. It, it definitely is. He He's talked about it before. It literally it ruined his life. Yeah. And, and it's it's incredible that he's coaching at all. I think he's mostly got it managed, but I'm sure you're right. I'm sure he has some shit still I wouldn't going be surp- on. I honestly wouldn't be surprised if he, uh, after this season, if he kind of went back to commentating or something. I mean, it's much easier. <laughs> you're playing, I mean, you're taking a finals contender, so you're playing approximately like 100 games a year that you have to travel with the team that is a huge huge wear and tear even if you're just a coach even if you're not just a player it's like, still i mean coaching is still so stressful yeah that, exactly like, coaches have had to retire from stress before like it's really really brutal but i do think it's pretty fascinating at what what chance do you give the celtics of winning tonight i mean when i was okay talking with coworkers, i said Cavs in six because i never ever bet against lebron in the east because past eight years or seven or something like that yeah he's gone to the finals like he he mows through the east i with that said though i really think the celtics have a chance like they i i don't even know what the, i would put the odds at it's really really hard i'm almost at 50 50 i don't want to even guess yeah i think i'm kind of close to 50 52 um before like before game six happened I knew that this game was going to seven i knew there was no way that lebron was going to lose on his home floor in game six yeah yeah but after Kevin Love got hurt five minutes in, it kind of gave a little bit of more hope to a team that's already just been like running on this wild, unbelievable streak of luck and just like it's unbelievable the job that Danny Age and Brad Stevens have done. Like yeah. I can't talk enough about how great of a job they did that they found this kid at Jason Tatum. And not only that, they wanted him at number one. They were able to trade down to number three and then get another asset just for this guy who they knew was going to be the star all along. Yeah. Like it's unbelievable they, job managing. They yeah, I I that's why I like them. They have good management, uh good coaching. Like they're watching them play is like it's like watching like baby Spurs. Yeah. Like cause the Spurs it's so different from watching a, a team like the Rockets where all they do is give it to the, the best guy or one of the two best guys and let them play iso ball, which I don't find entertaining to watch. I know in the old school of basketball, like like people love that shit and people are like, no, you want that guy on your team. He's a winner. I don't like watching it. I like watching when five guys, it's like they're on like they're pulled on the same string. Like they're all they all have the same brain. It's very like ball ball movement heavy. Yeah, like, I that's love why watching I, that. I mean, I kind of always like I often kind of call them that the Celtics are the Warriors of the East because both of them have very, very similar styles and that they're all predicated on lots of ball movement making the smart decisions, yeah. always keeping the ball moving. It's the same thing that the Warriors do. And the Rockets, and now even the Cavs, now that they just have LeBron, are kind of the antithesis of that, where it's all hero ball. It's all iso yeah. play like, and all day long. With, and with the Rockets, I'm annoyed by that because I don't – specifically, I don't like James Harden. He's incredibly good. I would never say he's bad. I hate it when people say that someone they don't like is bad. Yeah. Like you people can, do that with LeBron. Exactly. All the time. You can hate him, but he is so good. And James Harden is so good. But the way he plays is toxic and all his teammates do it now also, where all they do is drive in and draw fouls. They shoot just to draw a foul. They don't shoot to make it. No, yeah. And that's so frustrating to watch. It slows down every game and I'm sure if you're a Rockets fan you love it because they win, but like God, I mean, damn, it, I don't it's like it's it. proven to be effective. Yeah, exactly. I, it's it's I can't I can't like fault them. I can't say that's breaking the rules because it's legal. But 
I mean, fuck that. I don't want to watch it. The biggest thing that I want, though, is if anything, if the Rockets do win, I'm going to be happy for Chris Paul because I've always loved Chris Paul as just like a smaller point guard. He's feisty. He gets out there. He plays defense. He's a great passer. And he's also just – he he's kind of a like – a master of the mid-range game, which is a game that's kind of been forgotten in the NBA now that's all about Mori ball layups and three-pointers. And just the fact that that whole area in the mid-range is now just become wide open and nobody really takes advantage of that. So if you have a guy who can do that, but a guy who can also step out, hit a three, has great finishing ability, he's not just DeMar DeRozan because we saw how that worked. Yeah, exactly. Um yeah, I I I, I like do Chris I do Paul. agree with you with James Harden though. Yeah, I like I Chris Paul. I don't love him because he's kind of a whiny baby. Sometimes he's kind of a crybaby. But so is LeBron though. He has had <laughs> a bit of an underrated career at this point, just because he's never made it super. This is the farthest he's ever made it with any of his teams. Mm. You can't blame him when he was on New Orleans uh, because they didn't really give him much help. And then he went to the Clippers, which by all means those teams should have gone farther. Like they. Sh- could have at the very least they could have made a, a better push than they did i don't think they could have won a championship they were going against uh prime spurs which is yeah. really like you know 35 year old spurs but they were somehow that good yeah. um but yeah i i, I i'm fine with that <laughs> i mean i still i at the end of the day as we're talking about this as much as i'm giving the rockets and the celtics a chance uh i still kind of in my gut believe it's going to be warriors Cavs again yeah and a lot of people fault the nba for that um but it's like it's exactly what we were just saying in a seven game series the best team wins so you're not going to have a team like the the uh new york giants like sneaking in or anything Mm. it's a sign that the game is more fair yeah it's not a sign that the game sucks it's a sign that the best teams win. Like, I don't like that argument. I hear it a lot, but I hate it in the NFL. It is cool. Like, I guess it. I can see the angle where that is a cool thing. And, like, there used to be five-game series in the early rounds of the NBA playoffs. And I think maybe that was a decent idea because it gives the eight seeds a bit of a fighting chance. But I like when the best team wins. Yeah, I mean, part. I feel like in... In general, it leads to because there will always be years like in the NFL. When you look back at the NFL history books, you're like looking back and you're like, oh, 2008, the New York Giants won the Super Bowl. Like, but that hardly ever happens in the NBA where the best team does not win. Yeah. And that's what's making even more impressive what the Celtics are doing that they don't, they're two top scorers. Gordon Hayward went down five minutes into the season and Kyrie got hurt towards the end of the season. They don't have a guy who you look at at the end of the shot clock and say, that guy, go create your shot. They don't have that guy. That guy is Jason Tatum. He's 20 years old. Yeah, literally 20, which is crazy to think about. And then uh, Jalen Brown is also really, really good. Yeah. Um, And then as far as veterans go, they do have Al Horford, who I'm a big fan of. Okay. That is one of my favorite things about this playoffs. I've always loved Al Horford, but people who just look at box scores, blog boys, as Kevin Durant would call them, yeah. <laughs> um, blog boys out there just go there and they're just like, oh, what? He only got 16 and 8. That guy sucks. He's not a good center. But like, if you watch the games and you see what Al Horford does, yeah. he's the best passing center in the league. Yeah. Like, he's always about setting up guys. He's an unbelievable at setting screens. He does so much stuff off the ball that people don't appreciate unless they actually watch the games and watch him play and see what he does. Yeah. I, I also am a big fan of that guy. Um, and so let's let's get into the Cavs a little bit. I I've went on a rant out of place a couple weeks ago about LeBron on the pod just because I was so salty about everyone talking shit when Yay. in the in the presence of greatness. 
Um, I, I'm, I've never been a fan of like any team that LeBron's been on. I didn't really root for the Heat because they were not super likable um, when they formed. They presented themselves as being unlikable. Exactly. <laughs> that was the whole thing. They were like, yeah, we're villains. Um, and then I, I've never been a big Cavs fan because I don't like like I've said, I don't really like the concept of shitty coaching and iso ball. With that said, it, this is not a rocket scenario where they have the talent to play team ball. There's no other choice for LeBron but to put the fucking team on his back. There's no one for him to pass to except for, like, Kevin Love sometimes. And sometimes Kevin Love is bad. Yeah. So he has to be doing this, and he's carrying the team. He's, like, 32 or 33. He has, like, 52,000 career minutes. It's We're watching greatness happen, and people are shitting on him still for, the, like, the decision, which is a choice he made 10 years ago. It's It's an absolute joke. The, the argument I like to bring up to these people that shit on him is in the 90s and like late 80s and like 90s, there were a lot of people that hated Michael Jordan. I've read articles about this. Yeah. He, tons of people were just like, no, fuck that guy. He's not actually good because pe- people don't like it when someone is so good for so long. People just naturally want to hate on that. But then once Michael Jordan retired, everybody loves Michael Jordan. So you can you can ride out that hate bandwagon. But once LeBron retires you're going to have no choice but to love him. No one hates Michael Jordan now. Yeah. Except Despite, for people who know his personality. Yeah, and but, then they kind of know that he's uh, kind of an asshole. Yeah. But I will say, like, I, this was kind of a, the year. Well, this wasn't the year because I kind of started to do this a few years ago, but this was the year that, like, I really was just like, all right, you know what? I don't know how much prime LeBron we have left. I just kind of want to sit back and enjoy it all. Like, I'm yeah. still going to root against him, but at the same time, like, you can't hate on him at a certain point. Like, he is, without a doubt, a top three player of all time. You can make the argument that he's number two, number one. But, like, at some point, you just kind of have to sit back and just enjoy the greatness. That's the kind yeah. of the same way. I, I feel like uh, your argument for LeBron is kind of the same thing that I do for people with Brady. Sometimes I'm like, hey, uh. shut up. I don't care if you don't like him. Just, like, appreciate that you're watching one of the best people to ever play the game. At a certain point, like, you just have to kind of, like shut up and appreciate it uh i'm not gonna do that but okay <laughs> well i tried <laughs> i i think brady's more overrated because lebron never had a belichick nope. to coach him lebron had himself pretty much you know like i think if brady had been drafted by someone else but he wouldn't be like i this. think that uh lebron's gm moves have been probably the worst thing about his career like he set himself up for failure in cleveland by yeah. telling them like you have to trade all of these young assets and get fucking 36 year old george hill and 38 year old Kyle oh, corver on my team i agree with that like he shouldn't have so much administrative power but watching him do this with no help is some of the it's one of the most incredible things i've ever seen in sports and to do it this old with this many minutes he never gets hurt. There was a point last game or two games ago, he limped off the court and everyone was like, oh shit, oh shit, he's out, he's out. And I was like, no, he's not. No, yeah, that's the whole <laughs> thing with LeBron. He's LeBron just out. had three months of ankle recovery time yeah. in eight seconds and now he's just back on he's, the ground. And like literally the next play, like he was like limping around and then the next play, he was running full speed down the court. Yeah. And I'm like, how the fuck do you do that? Yeah, that does not make sense. He's like, he's the perfect athlete. He's a superhuman and he's also... As a person, his administrative uh, issues aside, he p- the time and money he puts into himself is like it's what Kobe did. And that's why Kobe lasted so long while being probably I mean, definitely a worse player than LeBron. But th- he puts about two or three million dollars a year into every like being in peak physical condition. And it's just watching this is it's fucking magic. Like 
I've I've you know I was like a fucking sports center kid. I loved watching that every day back when mm. they used to you know run highlights instead of arguments. Um, <laughs> and it's just it's he's been like this for like 15 years, man. Like what the hell's going on? Like Tim Duncan was insanely good for like 15 years, but he was not this good. Like it's it is something that I don't know if I'm, we're going to see again. And another thing is, I mean, like LeBron just kind of has that whole thing where even Duncan, like he is arguably the best power forward of all time, but like he's always been a very passive person. Mm-hmm. And I even get that. Cause I feel like there's a whole nother argument to be made for like the, mo- the best passive superstars. Like I feel like Clay Thompson would be like number one on that list because Clay just like, a lot of games, he's just, like, kind of standing over there. And then it's, like, sometimes they're just, like, hey, Clay, can you do something? And he's, like, cool. And he puts up 38 points in one quarter. And you're, like, why the fuck don't you do that all the time? Like, <laughs> yeah. what is wrong? It's true. But, like, LeBron, just the fact that he is such a leader. And sometimes to a fault because I feel like he kind of can dismiss some of the other younger players that they're, like, okay, this is LeBron's team. Like, I don't, I don't want to get too much into it, um, but... I would like to do another podcast like during the summertime where we can can make some predictions about yeah. where people are going. Ernie, go out of town again. Yeah, but I mean, <laughs> people talking about I'm going to like Philly and everything like that. I feel like that's bad for Philly's young players because then it's like, all right, we have to put the development on hold for a couple of years because now this has to become LeBron's team. Yeah, I it would be a, a smart move for LeBron uh, because Philly is pretty stacked with young guys. But I yeah, I agree it wouldn't be great, especially for Ben Simmons because they have very overlapping skill sets. Like, yeah. if Ben Simmons could shoot, he would be really close to, like, baby LeBron. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, I I see LeBron moving to the Lakers. Yep. It, I mean, if the Lakers don't fuck this up. The Lakers have to make, like, two or three moves in the offseason really early that prove that to LeBron that they're going to, like, they're going to do what the Cavs never do, which but, is watch his ass. Yeah, but, I mean, if they can get Paul George and then maybe Boogie or somebody yeah, exactly. else in there, maybe they could even call up Oklahoma City and then just be like, hey, we'll make you – just tell us what you want for Russell Westbrook right now, and we'll make that deal. Exactly. Um, just something like that. They need to get two or three pieces, um, and then I think he moves over there because – he also wants to be like the movie star. He's making a Space Jam sequel. He's already been in movies. He's hilarious in the movie Trainwreck. Oh yeah, he's he's great in Trainwreck. He has multiple like businesses that are based out of L.A. He yeah. has two homes in L.A. Yeah, he produces TV shows. He produced a game show. Yeah, for uh, NBC Plinko Game Show, which yeah. is not a good show, by the way. I, I, I actually mean, watched sh- it. No, I'm sure it's not. But, but um, <laughs> one other thing I wanted to say about LeBron is LeBron's like probably the smartest player in the NBA. And I think that he's looking at the East right now and is saying, all right, let me look at Boston, Philly, Milwaukee. All these teams are young and they're only going to get better. If you look out in the West, I know they have the Warriors, but the Warriors are going to come into a huge cap problem in like year, two years, three years from now. Houston's getting up there in age. I think that we could see a little bit of turning of the tides. Yeah, where a little flippy floppy. Yeah, where it goes back to kind of the 90s where the East is the powerhouse and then the West kind of is a little bit weaker. I Yeah, I agree. At, le- at the very least, it's going to be more even. Yeah. Uh, it's not going to be like it is now where like LeBron's like, well, why would I ever leave? Yeah. Because the East is just Yeah, four years ago, like it would be like, why the fuck would I want to go out West where there's the Clippers, the yeah, Spurs, yeah. like exactly. all these other teams. Yeah, it's going to be, the East is going to be better and the West is probably going to top off. I'm interested to see how the Warriors deal with their situation they're going to have coming up. Um, 
man, I, I love the Warriors, though. I, I do. Okay, I do love Kevin Durant. I don't give a shit when anybody says, I have always loved Kevin Durant. Yeah. And I side with Kevin Durant in that decision because I think Oklahoma City, like, Russell Westbrook doesn't seem like a fun person to play with. Like, it oh, seems, no. It seems I don't like horrible. him. I don't like Russell Westbrook. I know that he's a great player and all this shit, but, like, I don't like yeah, watching no, him He's play. an athletic freak, but he's a ball hog. He's, he's a worse ball hog than maybe even Kobe was. Um, uh, usage rate wise, yeah, he is. Yeah, like, he is the worst in NBA history. Yeah, it's just I don't like watching that style of basketball because I don't like watching something that me as like a stupid fan can watch and be like, well, that was the wrong choice. Well, he I does mean, that like ten times a game. You're like, he made the wrong choice. If you like looked at the teams that KD like, he he lowered it down to three teams for whatever last summer. He said, oh, either gonna stay in Oklahoma City. Or I'm gonna go to Boston or to Golden State. Mm. Both of Boston and Golden State are teams that are very heavy and pass heavy, and like that's that's kind of what he loves to do the most. Yeah, he doesn't. He, I mean, he is kind of the guy, but he doesn't want to be the guy. Yeah. Um, he doesn't want to be like LeBron is on the Cavs right now, where it's all on him because he is not super alpha. Like he can take over a game, but he doesn't always do it. Um, so the Warriors are a good fit for him. And also, I hate hate more than anything the narrative of like hating on a player for making a career choice and leaving their city because the opposite is never true. People rarely get mad at the team for getting rid of the player. They were like, well, yeah, it's a business. You know, they did what they had to do. Well, same with the fucking player, man. Yeah. He did what he had to do. He went to the right city and he won a championship. Sorry. I hate that shit so much. Like literally the perfect example of this is look at Boston last year with Isaiah Thomas. Isaiah Thomas played through injury, mm -hmm. got that Boston team far to the Eastern Conference Finals where they sh had no place being there. Mm -hmm. But uh, Isaiah Thomas played his heart out, played through injury, do all this stuff, and then as soon as Boston got a chance to get a better return than what he was worth, they traded him. Yeah. Like, teams are always looking out for themselves, and players are finally getting smart enough where they're like, well, shit, if the team's going to do this to me, then I should look out for my best interest too. Yeah, exactly. It's it's a really shitty narrative. It exists in large part because of ESPN and Skip Bayless and all those yeah, fuckers. that they're like, oh, man, this guy's a coward. He went to the, he, he did the weak career move. And it's like, no, he did the smartest thing that he possibly could. Do you think that these fucking multi-billion dollar, 80-year-old white owners are looking out for the player's best interest no exactly no. they're fucking not it's a, it is a business and so it should be treated by both sides like it's a business like the days of staying with your one team for like 20 years are pretty much over they died with uh tim duncan <laughs> yep yeah um it's just it just doesn't really happen like dirk is still around on dallas and that's incredible i love dirk everyone loves dirk yeah everyone loves uh dallas i was rooting hard for dallas when they won that championship the underdog year um, but I just don't think that's a realistic business model anymore. Um, and so both sides should treat it that way. But uh, anyway, what else is there? Is there is there anything else you want to talk about? Or uh, mm. I, I do want to do another one. Maybe we could do like kind of like an after dark thing uh, later on, wherever the summer starts, like a post uh, finals thing. Kind mm -hmm. of give our rest of our thoughts and everything else like that. But yeah. go Eagles. What? This was, oh my God, <laughs> unless I kill myself before then. I'm just saying. <laughs> Uh, let's make predictions for t for tonight and tomorrow night. Okay, I think that tonight. Oh shit, dude! Honestly, where where are they playing? Boston. Boston. Boston is undefeated at home these playoffs. Bunch of young guys. They have the crowd invigorating them. I really don't want to bet against LeBron though. I'm fifty fifty. I'm not, I'm not making a call. Okay. Um, and my gut says Cleveland. 
but my heart says Boston. My mind is split, so I'm going with my heart. <laughs> and I'm going to say Boston, and then for tomorrow, I'm going to say that the Warriors pull it out because Chris Ball is still hurt. So I'm going to say we're going to have Boston Warriors, and then the finals are going to be Warriors in six. Okay. Um, yeah, that works. Um, yeah, I think the Warriors win too. I think... I think it could be big, and the Warriors could sweep. <laughs> like Boston, and the Vows. If be the like, Warriors wow, are playing, get them. <laughs> if the Warriors are playing Boston, I think it might be five games. Um, but yeah, I, I do call Warriors winning, and then Warriors eventually winning the championship, and I'll be very happy. Um, and I don't care what anyone says. Although I will wagoning. say, I think that if the Warriors lose, that would probably be the best thing for basketball because everybody's yeah. like, the Warriors broke basketball, and then if somebody else beats the Warriors, it's like, well, obviously they didn't break basketball. Yeah. Also. <laughs> Um, okay, here's a good question. If you were a basketball player, who would you be? I would be Clay Thompson. He has the best life. He, I do love Clay, Clay Thompson. He, he's that on was the, actually one of my choices. He's on the best team and he's really good at what he does, and no one ever even expects him to do that great. So when he does great, everyone's like, Holy shit, it's Clay. And then when he doesn't do great, it's like, Well, you know, that's fine. Oh, I got one. I'll be uh I'll be Nick Young, swaggy P. <laughs> I just I get my ten minutes a game, I just come in there, shoot like six threes in two minutes, and then if they go in, cool. If not, it's like, All right, well sweet, Clay, pick up the pace. Yeah, if not, everyone's <laughs> like, Well, yeah, he's an idiot. Yeah, it's like, Well, he's swaggy P. Yeah, he's well, he's a- fucking stupid, so <laughs> Okay, um, so let's so we can put the timestamp there for everyone to come back. Um, <laughs> All right, now that everybody has already stopped listening to the yeah. podcast, well, this is why we buried the lead. So before we get into recasting the office, which is our big teaser, you know that we've been that's, <laughs> that, a, that's, that's what people are sticking around. Yeah, for. we're vamping for that. Um, but we we both watched the pilot of a show that's been getting a lot of buzz on BBC America called Killing Eve. Yeah. Um. I went into this, I don't know about you, I went into it completely raw. I knew nothing about it. Like, literally nothing. All I knew is that my parents liked it, and it had Sandra Oh from yep. Grey's Anatomy, so girls will like it. And also, I love Sandra Oh. Yeah, Sandra Oh is an amazing <laughs> actress. She yeah. does not get nearly enough work, probably because she's like an older, not the most attractive Asian-American woman. Yeah, that. Um, but she is, a, yeah, she's really, really, She. you just root for her. She's very human, she's very likable. Mm-hmm. She's like Marlon Brando. Um. <laughs> That's not a good comparison at all. I'm sorry, Sandra, if you're listening. Yeah. If you sat through that whole basketball talk for that. <laughs> oh, sorry. I just read a, a really cool essay about how Marlon made acting good when he was actually still young and not an asshole. Oh. Because he, he's the one that brought like actual human emotion into acting and instead of like the transatlantic accent, all that stupid bullshit. How actors in the old days used to just talk in an accent that no one had. That, yeah. That used to infuriate. <laughs> Apparently, he was the one that got rid of that. But anyway... <laughs> So his modern counterpart, Sandra Oh, um, is in this new show called Killing Eve, which is being called by a lot of people the modern Casablanca. <laughs> you got to stop this. You've got to stop this. Is he in that? No? Okay. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, so this this is a the pilot. I went into it knowing nothing, and I really did enjoy it. Um, it's not like it's it's not like a super ambitious show. It's not trying to change television which is fucking fine i don't need all my shows to do that you know this is just like a it's fun it's it's like predictable but also unpredictable um it's kind of like comfort food and it also is at the same time not like a procedural so i like it yeah i do like it's not breaking the wheel or anything like that like it does kind of just breaking the wheel is not a phrase That's like a, ga- a God of that's War a phrase. Por- that's a portmanteau of phrases. <laughs> okay. Well, it's not it's reinventing not- the bad. <laughs> <laughs> it's not 
busting the bubbles or anything yeah. like that. But <laughs> it it does kind of it it just it fits in with this prestige TV time that we live in in mm-hmm. like a really great way. It's I think one of the things that I love the most about this is I've watched the first two episodes and for an hour long drama it never feels like an hour. Yeah. I mean technically it's forty five minutes or so approximately because commercial breaks whenever it airs, but like. It's very breezy, and I feel like a lot of that is due to it has some really good comedy in there. Yeah, um, it's pretty funny. The first episode is some good comedy. The second episode has even more comedy, which is more of like that classic dry, very dark British humor of just like, oh yeah, did you know that his wife killed herself? Oh yeah, yeah, I knew that. Did you know that? Yeah. Oi, those poor kids. <laughs> <laughs> That's fun. But like, it's it's just it's very fun at the same time. Like. It's really cool to see a show like this coming out the same time that we have Barry, like two great serial killer, psychopathic type shows, mm. but all both shown from very different perspectives. And just having a show that's very powerful, like it's women are leading the show, like mm-hmm. in hordes. Yeah, and I don't have you. I don't have you seen any Grey's Anatomy? Um, I've seen some episodes of it because we're introduced to Sandra O's character and from the start she is exactly her character from Grey's Anatomy which is a good thing honestly like (laughs) she was a great character in that show and she's just she's professional and she's good at her job and she's also uh, very frantic and scattered and funny like it's it's almost like exactly the same which is probably a good thing. Um, so yeah, we're introduced to her. She is, what is her job title? She's like the assistant to a detective or something? Yeah, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know exactly what her job title is. That sounds about right. Yeah, um, she's an assistant to a detective, like a, you know, some sort of fed guy who is, I love that character. I don't know how big of a part he's going to play since he, you know, he may be, very well after the first episode, he could not be in it at all. That's he's all he's in the second episode. Good, because I really, I really enjoyed him. He was, he, you know, he seemed like a, just a good guy. I liked their dynamic together. Um, and then obviously she is, uh, cast into this whole murder. So we get to see her perspective. It's mostly told through two perspectives, hers. And then at least the pilot is Sandra O. Oh, and then this, uh, assassin, I guess we should call her. Yeah. Um, um, who I will say, uh, you get a little peek of it in the first episode, but in the second episode it deals a little bit more with her and she is fucking incredible. What's her um, name? I oh, I didn't know if you were looking it up right now. I'm blanking on her name because I had never. She's never really acted in anything before. Jodie Comer. Yeah, but Jody Comer. She plays a uh, a Russian assassin who's like off the grid. She's never really like been. Is she Russian or anything? Is that it? She, I think it's Russian. I thought it was French for some reason. No, she lives in Paris, but okay, she has okay. like some kind of a Russian accent. I'm yeah, yeah, sure. yeah. So um, she's an assassin. Yeah, she has like she has an overseer. She has a boss. But there's some exposition laid down later in the episode that she's, you know, she's been doing this like for a couple of years and she's like off the grid and no one knows who she is. Yeah. And you get to see a couple of her kills and they're really cool scenes. They're fun to watch. They are really well. They're really well directed scenes. And another thing is like that she's there's one point in the second episode where she kills somebody and she just like stands there and like looks at them and like this most like it it's such a it gives you such like a cold empty feeling just because that's how well it's acted that she doesn't even like show emotion like sorrow anger anything she just like sits there and like turns her head kind of halfway to the side and just like oh just like watching the life like leave somebody's body it's so unsettling yeah that's just incredible acting job by her yeah she plays it very well she is not uh barry she is a psychopath yeah like she does not feel when she kills and it's really I, i really enjoyed her acting and i enjoyed how those scenes played out and so yeah what we're set up with is there's going to be a season-long arc uh sandra o's character is named eve 
and she ended up entangled in like a series of murders by this assassin and it would appear that killing eve is going to be what sandra o is trying to stop from happening this season yeah, if you ask me we'll see if she's successful at that or not yeah um, but it, it event, essentially the setup is it seems like this assassin is going to be trying to kill eve um, i'm i i will say like i'm super in on this show uh, another thing that i wanted to shout out is uh phoebe waller bridge is the creator of this show she is known for uh being the star in fleabag huh. um and also she uh i will say she plays a robot in uh solo uh, L3 <laughs> and she is actually one of the highlights of the entire movie like she wow. she's a scene stealer what like she fuck? is incredible in that movie and I kind of wish that we would see a little bit of her acting okay. in this show but I know that she doesn't act she's all behind the camera and everything yeah. but unbelievable job putting this whole thing together like very very tight scripts from the first two episodes like I said like it doesn't ever really drag at all I'm all in on the show it's only eight episodes long I think the Season finale is actually coming on tonight. Yeah, and it's not so. an, it's not an act, it's like an old school hour hour long, meaning it's uh, forty two minutes an yeah. episode. So yeah, it was pretty breezy, especially compared to like fucking Westworld or something. Yeah, um, it doesn't drag. It's you know maybe it's derivative. It reminds me of a lot of different things I've seen. It's basically like a way better version of like. I don't know, Law and Order, SVU, or any of those, like, cold case or stuff like that. Right. I'm not even going to compare to CSI because uh, it's way better than CSI. It's, it's, it doesn't <laughs> even deserve to be in the same breath. But, but yeah, I'm, I enjoyed it. I think it's, it's kind of a crowd pleaser. It's kind of like a, it splits right down the middle. I can't see anyone not enjoying it. You know what I mean? Like, mm. it's my, my parents like it. I'm sure my girlfriend would like it. I like it. Like, it seems, it seems like a good show. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm in. I, I can't wait to see. I have seen, I have heard online, uh, that this show does take some big twists and turns. I after we finished up watching uh, Barry and Atlanta, I kind of turned to Twitter and asked where some shows I should be checking out. So Killing Eve was definitely like my most uh, people were saying to check mm-hmm. out. I know other people were saying to check out Glow because season two of Glow is about yeah, to come yeah, on. Yeah. I've heard great things about Glow. I haven't gotten around to that, but we might be talking. So, about so that when on you the say podcast. people, do you mean person? <laughs> Yeah, I had two people say Killing Eve, one person say Glow. Okay, okay. So people in person. <laughs> I was about to say, how many replies did you get? That's impressive. I got like 82 <laughs> replies, but they were all okay. for myself. Okay, yeah. That's good. Um, but anyway, let's let's get into it. It's the big event. The reason, like we always say, right into us, right into us, we'll, we'll respond on the air. The problem we run into is we get hundreds of write-ins, but they all just say, why aren't you recasting The Office? Yeah, <laughs> and it's all just from Brett. Yeah, <laughs> just sending us email after email, and we, all of his burner accounts. Yeah, yeah, and we so we're not gonna read that every episode. We just decided, you know what? Let's just do it for the fans, not for us. It's we don't enjoy this, we hate it, but you all wanted it so bad that we finally did it for you. But I do love. I, I had so much fun making no. this list together. Yeah. I really want to do this as a segment again for oh, other yeah. shows, movies, it's, all that. Kind yeah, of it's stuff. incredibly fun. Um, I I anticipate arguing a lot about this. Yes. Uh, we're going to have to defend our points, basically. Like, <laughs> like We can't just like be throwing names out there. This is a thought exercise because casting director, I've listened to interviews and read interviews with these people. It's such a cool job. Like it's it's a lot harder and like more complex than you would think of just watching an audition and being like, yeah, you got it. It's not like that. It's sometimes it can come down to something such like just the natural resting face the person has yeah. or like one line that they read that they're like, no, wait, that's the character. Yeah. Like it's really you have to see something special and it's kind of abstract and that's kind of the way that i went through my list we should also say we have not compared our list at all yeah we haven't looked yet so i'm 
kind of curious to see if we do have any crossover at all. We might. Um, there are some actors where, like, I have my number one choice, and I have, like, an A and a B choice. I'll, I, yeah, I, I, did I have that, that for, for a few, few of them. Um, but, and, like, we did say uh, any era... I only did two people that are from not the 21st century. I did. I do have specific years for a few people, like 2003. This person, because, uh, like we're saying, uh, that specific age is how old they would be in season one. Okay. Of the yeah. I, I don't have like specific yeah. years like that, but I have like kind of eras. Yeah. And then it, yeah, people. exactly. And then another rule we had is um, it doesn't have to be the entire character arc because after a couple seasons of these characters that they started with they could write revolving around the actor. Like yeah. if they know the actor's strength then the character changes to shape around the actor. So we're just starting with like the base uh, characteristics that you get in the first couple seasons of meeting these characters and, and then we're going to recast based on that and then another rule that we had was it can't be an actor who's ever been in the show so like no Will Ferrell for playing Michael yeah uh, no Jim Carrey which Jim Carrey would be like my number one choice for Michael <laughs> to be honest um, and then also a rule I didn't talk about with you but another rule that I made was no actors from the British The Office yeah I, yeah, I didn't yeah. do that anyway and then uh, the, the final rule that we did have was uh, we couldn't choose anyone who who was in the famous YouTube video yeah. of people auditioning for The Office, which is, if you haven't seen, you should look it up because it kind of, it shows how interesting the casting process is where like, it shows like, like Seth Adam Rogen. Adam Scott yeah, would Adam, have been an excellent character oh yeah. in The Office. He, he would have been a great Jim. He would have ended up being a little more nerdy than how Jim turned out. But yeah, it's like that. You see Adam Scott, you see Bob Odenkirk trying out Michael. He was pretty good at that. Mm -hmm. You see people like Seth Rogen trying for Dwight. Yeah, it's just it's a great video to look up, but we can't use anyone from that video because it's too obvious. Right. All right. So let's let's get into it. The hardest one is easily Michael because he's one of the most iconic characters of the 21st century and maybe ever. Um, so who do you have? OK, so I have an A and a B here. My A, Steve Martin. What? Older, like a younger Steve Martin. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, that's good. Younger Steve Martin. And my B is Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks. What the fuck? I could see him just doing like he's he's zany enough and he could play like Tom Hanks I think could play a little bit of an idiot. I think both of those characters thing with Michael is he's hilarious but he's also an idiot. Yeah. And like That's yeah, the the way I approach it is Steve Martin's a pretty good choice younger Steve Martin because it has to be someone that is dead serious about themselves, but is also a fucking idiot. Yeah. Like, some, it, you have to be able to play that, which is kind of an old school type of character. So it works out because Steve Martin in the 80s would be a good choice. Right. Uh, my choice is similarly based on that theory. Um, and it is actually Steve Carell's former understudy at the Second City Theater. So classically trained, great actor, very similar sensibility, Stephen Colbert. Okay. Okay. So I was thinking about, I was. My my B, I threw it around with a couple of different people. I did want to do Steve Martin as my number one choice, but it was also between Colbert or Chevy Chase. Yeah, Chevy Chase would have been good. At, like yeah. old Chevy Ch Chase, well, you know, young Chevy Chase, yeah. 70s Chevy Chase. That would be great. Colbert, I think, would make an excellent Michael yeah. as well. Yeah, because, I mean, his whole, his demo reel for it is the Daily, they did the Daily Show. They both did it. If you do the Daily Show, you play an idiot who takes himself seriously in your interview segments. Um, and he is he's great at it. Colbert Report is an unbelievable show and it rides on him being an idiot who's dead serious. So I kind of came into a little bit of this problem wherever we did it where there are certain people like next I think we should do Jim mm. and I ended up kind of cutting him out. But that's just because since they're ma he's mainly a comedian, I didn't really know how well his acting chops would be. That's why I ruled out Colbert. But I had John Mulaney was one of the people on my final cut for Jim. Yeah, he's likable. Um, yeah. But Affable. 
for Jim, my top choice is Jason Bateman. That'd be yeah. very iconic faces. Like You'd he have could to be do young. a gym face. Have yeah, be- yeah, like a younger Jason Bateman. Uh, my B is Joe McHale. Okay, so yeah, that's a bit. Yeah, I guess Jim is a kind of a snarky character. Yeah, he's a little bit snarky. I feel like Jason Bateman though, like a younger Bateman. Okay. he's got that face. Yeah. Okay, those are pretty solid. Um, okay, let me tell you mine. Okay, the year is 1987. <laughs> All right. Okay, <laughs> only one man is tall, lanky. And cute, but not hot, and also smart. And that man is Tom Hanks. Oh, Tom Hanks is Jim. Young Tom Hanks. People forget this because Tom Hanks turned out to be really ugly. But, but he was America's sweetheart before Jim was. He was the exact character. In his rom-com movies, he's lovable. He's a bit absurd, and he's a great reactor to things. He's, he's quick, but he's also cute, and he's not too cute that he's intimidating to guys. He's everything that Jim is now. So I didn't necessarily take like the direct dimensions of the character because if we were, then I wouldn't have <laughs> done Jason Bateman because I think Bateman's oh Bateman's five eleven, so he's a little bit well, taller. Yeah, but I'm, that's not my. He doesn't really issue. look yeah. like lanky or no, anything like that. Like that I feel really like doesn't Tom matter. Hanks, a young Tom Hanks does kind of fit the mold. Just, of just him his better. his whole aura was so similar. Where it was just he was America's sweetheart in a, in a very specific way that I think Jim became. Where everyone. Everyone back then was like, oh, I just want like a Tom Hanks for me, you know, and then it became, oh, I just I'm Pam and I just want a gym. Yeah. Um, and then that leads into one of my Pam choices. Late 80s, Meg Ryan. OK, Meg Ryan's a good choice. Just, Honestly, Pam was my hardest one to do. I got OK. So my other choice, I think, is perfect. So you go first. OK, so I have two choices here for Pam. Kristen Stewart. OK. Um, I feel like she's kind of that like. Uh, like especially like not because Kristen Stewart had a bad acting bad beginning to her acting career but I think like later years she's shown the the chops that she's a good actress if you could take her acting ability now and make her a little bit younger that or a young Jodie Foster young Jodie Foster young Jodie Foster I actually think would be perfect yeah she had an innocence to her yeah she definitely I feel like I could just see Jodie Foster as the receptionist yeah that that works um so mine is that I think is really really perfect is 2012 era Brie Larson. Okay, 21 so Jump Street Brie Larson. I was thinking Brie Larson or Emma Stone, but I just kind of I, I I just couldn't really get behind it. I think that both of them they just have a little bit too charismatic of personalities. Maybe I just I think if you frizzed up Brie Larson's hair back then, she would work perfectly because she has. Just like, kind of like Jim. The thing with Jim and Pam is they're they're smart and they're quick and they're also kind of nerdy. She definitely has kind of like a nerdy cuteness going on, and also she's just an I, she's an incredible actress. Yeah, and she does she does this, a character kind of similar to Pam in Twenty One Jump Street. Definitely a little more forward, but I think that she could pull it off really well. Okay, yeah, I'm, I I could see that. I yeah. could definitely and, see that. And then uh, Lady Eighties Meg Ryan is just because her bouncing off Tom Hanks was like an iconic duo. Yeah. 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 I mean, I didn't necessarily think I tried to originally think of Jim and Pam as like a good duo together, but then it was so hard for me to land on a Pam that I kind of fell out of that. Um, so my hardest one to choose out of anyone, because Colbert's wasn't super hard, but Dwight, I couldn't... Uh, oh, Dwight, I have two really good ones. I have two that I think are good, but just no one... Like, no one Rain is, Wilson plays yeah. it, like, so special. He And he morphed that character into something that it never would have been. Like, the British Office Dwight character is so different. Yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. So who do um, you have? I have Bill Hader. 
I have Bill Hader. <laughs> oh, you do? Oh, okay. I yeah. have two, but yeah. Bill Hader and then Fred Armisen is my other one. Fred would be pretty good. Fred, I think, would be pretty good. Not nearly as good as Bill Hader. It, I think Bill Hader, because Bill's shown, especially through Barry, that he can kind of like carry a little bit more of a dramatic scene where you sympathize with him, which Dwight, especially in the later seasons, you do kind of sympathize a little bit with Dwight yeah. in some of the scenes, along with him just being so like zany and out there. Yeah. I Yeah, I have like 2010 Bill Hader. Not only because him and Rain Wilson both have the biggest heads I've ever yeah, seen. Yeah, very similar they, look. Yeah, they do look kind of similar, and I just I think he could bring the chops to that character. I I think I don't I can't really name a character he's done that's very similar, but I just he has such range and ability that it's a tough character, and I think he has the chops. For he's it. goofy looking yeah. enough that he can pull that off. And <laughs> then my other choice is. Um, well, I guess we can't do people that were in the office, but I did put Zach Woods. Um, okay. Because he is an unbelievable actor, probably a to- also a top five uh, in the U.S. improviser, which a lot of people don't know. And he came on later as Gabe, which was a hated character, and I love Gabe so much. Yeah, Gabe is incredible. Um, but I really think because the character of Dwight has a lot of improv that he does with Michael and Jim specifically, I think that he could have brought a new life to that character. I really think he could have made it his own. And he has he, he obviously plays like a great nerd, as he does in Silicon Valley, yeah. and everything he's in. He has a nerdy look to him. He looks... A lot like the guy who plays the British Dwight, actually. He does, um, yeah. So I really think that would have worked out, even though it kind of breaks the rules. Okay. Well, I mean, we both have Bill Hader for that one. Yeah. So um, who do you have for Nardog? Oh, for Nardog? Okay, so this was actually originally one of my choices for Dwight. And then as I was thinking through, I made this list with Guy, and she kind of came up with him for Andy, and I fell in love with that. And that is Andy Samberg. Andy, yeah, that could work. I was I was playing around with putting Andy at uh, Ryan's spot. Because he's a good he's a good douche, but Nardog is a douche. Yeah, I mean Nardog is a douche. He also has that like musical talentness. Um, Paul Shear, I also put in there. Yeah, I have uh, him. Oh, I had him somewhere else. I ended up replacing him. Um, I had him at Toby. Because, okay, because he's good at playing the I, low status. I think you're gonna like my Toby pick whenever we get <laughs> out of that one. But um, uh, who's your Andy? I have two. One is a guy who played a very similar character on Party Down, and that's Ken Marino. Okay, yeah. He is, I mean, he is really, really good at playing, like, a guy who thinks he's high status but is actually low right, status. Right, yeah. Um, he, you see that in uh, uh, Wet Hot. Yeah, and the reason, and I, a big thing with uh, Andy is he can't be too attractive. The Really, the line I was imagining when I was trying to picture my Nardog is when he calls Jim. They're in the office together, and he calls Jim, and he goes, I'm so horny. <laughs> like, he needs to be able to pull that off. And uh, so I got him because he's a really good douche and he's not too attractive that you would be like, yeah, he should be with someone like Nart. Yeah. Like uh, Ed Helms should not be with anyone. That's that's why I was actually <laughs> it's funny. I was thinking about that. Uh, the relationship with Dwight and Andy more so than I was thinking about with Jim and Pam. Yeah. Um, so like I was thinking I was like, well, if Bill Hader is my Dwight. I have to get somebody who's slightly more attractive than him to play Andy. Yeah, but not, not much. much. More. Yeah. yeah. And my other my other choice, I think, is absolutely perfect. He's he's just like that. He has a character right now that he does that is a direct Nardog ripoff. So it's almost even cheap to name him, but Alex Moffat from SNL. Oh, yeah. He has yeah, a character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that basically is Andy. Yeah, he has a character called Guy Who Just Bought a Boat. He I mean, he's a fake prep, he wears sweater vests, and he's a huge douche, but he doesn't know it. That's exactly that's, ex- that's and, he, Andy. and he has nicknames for everyone. Like <laughs> it's it's a Nardog ripoff, so it's almost cheap, but he would be great. And also, I think that he's probably the most underrated person on SNL right now because he's a killer. He's hilarious. Yeah. Um, I think that would work out really well. 
Um, so yeah, who do you have for Ryan? Let's do Ryan. Ryan. Um, so I have two for Ryan. Uh, Ryan Reynolds. Oh man. Okay. Um, it's too just hot. Very snarky, douchey. BJ Novak's a decent looking guy. Or but he's he's weird looking though. Or Johnny Depp. What Johnny the fuck? Depp, Johnny no, Depp radiates no. douchebag. Yeah, and like Ryan is a douchebag. Yeah, but he he has to, the thing is he has to be quiet for two seasons and then be a douchebag. Like I Johnny Depp. Is, okay, I guess I was more so with Ryan thinking of like later. Yeah, seasons you were thinking of douche Ryan. Ryan. I was thinking when Ryan just goes like full douchebag. That's yeah. kind of what I was casting as Ryan. Ryan Reynolds, maybe like young Reynolds back when he was on Two Guys, a Girl in a Pizza Place, that sitcom. Yeah, if it's just that. Half of the joke with Ryan is that Michael's so into him, even though he's kind of weird looking. Like he's he's written like he's attractive, but he he looks like he has fetal alcohol syndrome. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say his it. Big ass forehead. Yeah, he's and he has like weird eyes and like a weird big chin. Um, my choice. I think I think I got a really. It's a strange pick, and by that I mean I picked a different race. <laughs> But, oh, I did that for some people. Yeah, I don't know. Um, so I went with another Daily Show alum, similar to a lot of people that ended up on The Office, Hassan Minaj. Okay, I actually was. I was. Yeah. It's funny that you said that. I was actually Hassan Minaj was on like my chopping block yeah, for Ryan because I, I feel like he would fit really well. I, I think it works perfect because he could definitely play like a more understated, quiet guy because he's he's small. He's not you know he's not a big dude. He's not he doesn't have a commanding presence. But then he also on The Daily Show he played like a slick douche. Yeah, like, that was his whole thing. Thing. Um, and I think he could absolutely nail the ascent of Ryan into douchedom. Um, because I, I like that a lot. Yeah, because I think about that. Be, yeah, because another thing with Ryan is that um, you don't completely like the whole time he's a douche. You're like, man, this guy like you don't buy it because, in fact, he is like a cheater and a liar and all that stuff. Like he's yeah. not actually up there. And I think that Hassan could pull that off of like coming back into the office and he's like, Hey, what's up guys? And they're like, are you that dweeb that was here? Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I think that, yeah. Um, so moving from Ryan into Kelly, I wasn't sold on my Ryan, but I think I nailed Kelly. Who is it? Jenny slate. Oh dude, that's really good. That's, that's perfect. Right. That's, damn. I was cause, okay. So my first thing that I was like thinking of was Vanessa Bayer. Yeah, just because yeah. she's got that good, like very ditzy. That's another really good Vanessa one. Vanessa Byer, yeah, I think, yeah, is yeah. good, but I think Jenny Slate is fucking perfect for Kelly. Yeah, you. I think you got that. I think you win this round. That, <laughs> that's a great one. Um, mine is uh, a character that I think um, what Mindy Kaling based a lot of her character on, which is early two thousands Reese Witherspoon characters. Okay, I was thinking about Reese Witherspoon too. Like I, I was definitely mulling that around as well, but I couldn't really land on the perfect role i wanted to put like there's some actors and actresses that i really wanted to put in here like donald glover i wanted to find a space for him in the show but i yeah, just couldn't yeah. really fit him in yeah right yeah me too i also i played with for kelly i, I wanted uh isa ray but i don't know how she is at playing an idiot <laughs> yeah yeah like she's really good but i don't know how she'd be at that um because she's she plays she plays an awkward girl which is the opposite of what kelly is on the office right um but yeah, I think I think that genuinely, I think Mindy Kaling based a lot of her performance on Reese Witherspoon and her her uh, earlier movies. Where yeah, she, just like so. She's like ditzy smiley, and she, yeah, she's ditzy and, she, and she's a, a chatty Kathy. She talks her ear off. Yeah. Um, okay, so who else? Um, you want to do Phyllis? And I have a bonus. I cast Bob Vance as well. <laughs> do your Bob Vance. Okay, my Bob Vance, John Goodman. <laughs> okay. Right, yeah, John Goodman. Fat. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and fine. my Phyllis Viola <laughs> Davis. Okay, I like that. 
I didn't even cast it, Phyllis. Oh, you didn't? No, oh, okay. but I think... Vi- I casted... Okay, so I started doing this, and I casted, like, fucking everybody. I casted Robert California. <laughs> like, I was just going in on this. Yeah, um, I did, too. I picked uh, James Spader. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> I didn't do it. Um, Stanley, though. Stanley, I'm so happy with my pick for Stanley. I don't have a Stanley, either. Oh, you don't? Who'd you get? James Avery, who played Uncle Phil. <laughs> He's dead. <laughs> Well, yes, of no, course. I know, I know. But yeah, that's fine. Take him straight yeah. out of Fresh Prince and put him in there in the Stanley role. Yeah. And he just... <laughs> I couldn't think of anyone who has those big expressive eyes that Stanley has, you know? Yeah, I mean, he doesn't... Uncle Phil doesn't quite have that, but he has that same kind of demeanor where he's just like, did you just fucking say that? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I, I buy it. I, I buy that. Did you cast a Kevin? I have Kevin, and I think it's perfect. Who? Uh, Brian Posehn. Okay, that's good. I I didn't think about Brian Posehn. That's that's a really good one. Yeah, he's he. I mean, he's just a good fat idiot. Which is all you really have to be. <laughs> I uh, I went diverse on Kevin too. I did a uh, Michael Clark Duncan. Ooh, rest in peace. What the fuck? Michael, <laughs> he's, he's buff. He, no, he. Okay, okay. There was like a point in Michael Clark's Duncan career where he was just like kind of more fat I could, than buff. I, I mean, I could see him being an idiot. He can, he's, he's played an idiot yeah, before. Yeah, he has. That, I, yeah, that's that's a bold Brian choice. Brian Hussein might be better. No, I'm talking about dead Michael Clark Duncan. Yeah, I, oh, yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, like bloated, like rigor mortis Duncan. Yeah. That works. No, I, I like Brian Hussein. I think that's that's a good, that's a good yeah. Kevin. Okay, um, Creed is a very iconic role. Oh, yes. I, I, have, I have two here. Who you got? Um, okay, so my one choice, which... Dream acting casting right here. I'm talking like not even now, like five, ten years in the future from now, old Jack Nicholson. <laughs> I mean, he's, honestly, he's like he's that now. very crazy. Like that would he's honest- got those crazy eyes. Yeah. And departed Jack Nicholson is pretty close. Yeah. <laughs> you know, what between I mean? that or this is a little bit. He's a little bit too zany for this role. But Robin Williams. Yeah. 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 I could. Yeah. He is a bit too. I think old Jack Nicholson I like a lot. Yeah, that that does work really well. I I borrowed from a similar character in a similar show, and I went with Danny DeVito. He's a he's a really great crazy old guy. Like yeah, he, he, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Specifically later on in, in uh, Always Sunny, he has episodes that just hinge on him just not being fully there. Yeah. Like earlier on, he's he's really lucid. He's just like a bad person. But I think that he could play that detached, like just not even in the room guy. I think he could do it really well. Um, so Meredith, it's funny. I really, I think that my most confident choice is Meredith. Who'd you put? I got Jane Lynch. It's perfect. It's just, it's perfect. That is perfect. That's really. It's good. literally perfect. She's so good at playing like a horny lady. <laughs> Jane Lynch is really good. Is she, I think about I, uh, Party Down. Jane Lynch. That's, yeah, it's that's that is perfect. Yeah. Um, for Meredith, for me, I, I just really wanted to put her somewhere in the cast, and I kind of came up with Meredith is uh, Kristen Wiig. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> no. I just wanted to put her somewhere yeah, in the cast, no. and I like I could not come up with the Meredith. Yeah. Jane Lynch is is perfect. For <laughs> yeah, that. I'm vetoing. Okay, no, but Angela, <laughs> I'm happy with my Angela. Though. Okay, okay. Angela, my number one choice is Laura Dern. Okay, that works. Laura Dern, and then number two choice, Tandy Newton. Whoa. Okay, I had a hard time with Angela. Um. I ended up with a name that you don't know because I didn't know. Uh, Suzanne Cryer. Who is that? She is the person who inherits uh, the company in Silicon Valley when the main guy dies. She's the robotic lady. 
You, oh. you know, she comes in and she's like, I just don't know how I feel about that. And I, I don't think we should do that. And I just I think she'd be able to because the whole thing with Angela, she's just very like emotionally like stone faced. Mm-hmm. And I think she could play this really conservative Christian, like straight haired white lady really well. Yeah, I. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. I think you get disqualified because you didn't even know where her name was. But um, better than Kristen. Wiig. <laughs> Whatever. Hey, Laura Dern, though you buy her as a crazy cat lady. Yeah, conservative Christian lady. Yeah, no, I would buy Laura Dern. That's um, cool. let's see, Toby. So I started with Paul Shear, but I think he's a little too slimy. Yeah, he's he's too like slick, even though he's not actually. I don't I don't know if he could pull that off. I think in forty years he'd be a perfect Creed. Um, <laughs> but we're not doing future actors. Well, I did. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so, god damn it! No, just older Jack Nicholson. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But he's—I mean, if you he's saw him, old. He, yeah, <laughs> he's just not in things anymore. But yeah. he's probably—he's probably actually crazy at this point. Um, I went with another name that you don't know, David Hornsby, and this is nope. <laughs> this is Rickety Cricket. <laughs> oh my god, that's Rickety Cricket. Yeah. I think that would work really well. He looks older now, so that works, but he just I was the main thing I was thinking of is Toby just has to have a sad look. He has sad eyes. Yeah. And I think and obviously he's Rickety Cricket has proven that he's really good at getting shit on. Okay, that's yeah. I'm looking character. at a current picture of him and he does look kind of Yeah, he had just and... he just has a sad look and he is a great actor at getting dumped all over. And it all another thing I was thinking of is the voice has to be very recessive. Okay. And he has a very whiny voice. So to that him. that had a big part to play in my pick, mm-hmm. which I'm not really sure on his acting chops, but <laughs> Nathan Fielder. <laughs> How great would Nathan Fielder be as Toby? He's just Ugh. sitting there and he's just talking like this. Michael's like, oh my God, I hate you. You are the bane of my existence. You know, I, I think that... He looks very sad. He's ugly. Like, he's just... Yeah. If you just saw him and he was just playing that role, I feel like he would play it very unlikable, just like Toby. Yeah, that's... Honestly, that's not a bad choice. I also think that, again, like, I don't want to overestimate him just because I love him, but I think that he would have had an interesting take on Dwight, even. As just like this robotic, like, well, I don't understand. Because yeah. on Nathan for you, all he does is fight people. That's what yeah. Dwight does. Dwight is a fighter. Dwight is an argumentative guy. Um, but yeah, you know, honestly, I, at first I was like, shut up. But that's not that's not awful. I, I thought about Toby a lot just because it the voice does have it a lot have, to do I with think it, it would have been a little different because Nathan is a little less sympathetic. But maybe he could play sympathetic. Who knows? I mean, even so, like, Toby, you're just, you're not, I mean, you're meant to feel like, bad for him that he's sad but you never like root for him in any way and i feel like nathan fielder could pull that off again i'm trusting in his acting ability which i don't really know about did you do daryl i did not do daryl i got the perfect daryl who's your daryl paper boy Ooh, brian tyree henry it's literally that is that is perfect yeah i didn't think about you need a big casting daryl you need a big commanding presence who is really good at being exasperated because for three seasons that's mostly what daryl does is he's exasperated by michael that's mostly what Paperboy does. Is yeah. the exact as particularly in season one of Atlanta. He's perfect. Yeah, that that's 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 perfect. Yeah. Um, did you do any other ones? Because I have a few other just like bonus um, ones I did. I don't think I did. Okay. I'll judge yours. That's for so. Sure. David Wallace, Bob Saget. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. You know, any thoughts on that? Any I, okay. On? I was when I was just taking a piss. I was literally thinking 
um, where Bob Sackett would fit. He's, <laughs> he's a David Wallace. I Yeah, I was thinking it'd be funny to have him as Toby because he does have a look where you're like, shut up, Bob Sackett. <laughs> <laughs> but the whole time you'd be saying to yourself, shut up, Bob Sackett, whenever Toby was talking. Where I feel yeah. like with this, like, David Wallace, he's not in every episode. He just pops up every now and then. And you can see him as, like, a boss character. I think, honestly, that's not bad. Um, Jan, I have the perfect Jan. Who? Charlize Theron. Dude, that's really good. That's that's perfect, isn't it? No, that's yeah, that's, that's really good. That's like I was thinking, I was like, oh my god, like that is that's so good. Like you could just plug her in right now. And yeah. just... Her character in Tully is pretty similar. Where yeah. she's she's kind of she's like, you know, she's trying her best, but she ends up being crazy, you know? Um not to spoil. For Aaron, I'm not sure if you know who this is, but Jama Mays. Mm, don't know who that is. Um, it is this girl. She's in like uh she's in Glee. She's in uh No, uh, I, I know who that is. I've seen her in Glee. She was in like the Smurfs movies and stuff like that. Uh she's an epic movie, Meet the Millers. Yeah, I, I could see her being I, like I Ella feel like Kemper. she could be like a good like Aaron who's just like more of like an pretty idiot yeah, kind of like, character. Yeah, like, like she bubbly. could play that. I mean that's um, a, uh, Reese Witherspoon could do that too in the early two yeah, thousands. Yeah. Um Yeah, that's another spot for Reese Witherspoon. Uh Roy Joel Edgerton. <laughs> just imagine, just imagine Joel Edgerton being like, you know what? I don't find strippers sexy. You know what I find sexy? Pam's art. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know, man. You can't see that. Come on, I see, I see Joel Edgerton. Just imagine, just plug him in, just take him straight out of Bright. Rockman, <laughs> yeah, yeah. same partner, suit. no, same makeup. <laughs> I okay, know. I don't know, dude. My Nelly. Jessica Chastain. Um, you know who? You They're know, both redheads. No, you know who the best Nelly is? Uh, Sharon Horgan from Catastrophe. Never see a, saw Catastrophe. Fuck, so man, I don't, I, don't, she's, I don't know that. But she is she's Scott. She's a Scottish redhead, and she's actually fucking hilarious. Nelly, I think I'm sure that that actress, like as a comedian and actress, I'm sure she's funny. But that that she, character is horribly it, written. It you can really, tell that she comes into the show whenever it takes a major dip. Yeah, it fell flat. I think particularly Nelly fell flat because we met her. We were introduced to her as not a sympathetic character, and then they were like, "Hey, she hey. wants to have a kid." Yeah, and you're like, "I care about her now, I guess." Like yeah. that's not a. It was it was bad writing introducing her yeah. to the plot. Um, and then my last one, which I was really happy about, this Robert California, Jude Law. <laughs> Why? Why? You don't see that because Jude Law, I, like you can't see him just being just like this almost like him coming in there and being like women are objects. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> I just see it with Jude Law. I can yeah. just see him just kind of oh. walking in there and everybody kind of stops what they're doing and like kind of feels him watching them at all times. That, he know, has that presence. That that Yeah, I guess. I guess. <laughs> I just, I Both just... of them are balding. <laughs> I don't. That's no. That's my least favorite thing you've said. <laughs> what? I don't. I just don't see it. I. Oh no. But okay. okay. Here's another. I didn't mention earlier, but I really think this works for Michael. A really good underdog pick, Leslie Nielsen. Think about that. Okay. He is okay. I could see that. His entire. He made I, his entire career. He was much older when he got famous, but he made his entire career out of being a very convinced idiot. That was all the Naked Gun movies and Airplane. That's all he does. And he does it so well. He's a genius at it. I, yeah, I could I could see that. Yeah, you would have I, to I rewrite him. Because I don't even know what he did when he was younger, when he was in his 40s. But 60s 
like Leslie Nielsen. It's just yeah, I was like I was trying to think. The hardest thing with Michael is trying to think of like a current actor who could play it because I don't know a current actor who could do it. So I was kind of thinking of Steve Martin, Martin Short, like kind of goes guys like that. Yeah, for like who could more I mean, like fill in yeah, that role. The classic comedy is a dummy who doesn't know he's a dummy. That's like fifties. Yeah, stuff. so you kind of have to like go on Carl the, Marx. Oh, <laughs> I skipped over this. Or not Carl Marx. Carl Marx. Yeah, no, wait, no, wait a second. No, the gr- Communist Manifesto. <laughs> That's my pick. I, yeah, for Jim, I have Stalin. <laughs> no, uh, I think for for like Groucho for Marx Dwight, I have Alden Artwright, <laughs> Aaron Reich. Yeah, yeah. Um, I skipped over this, but I'm not really that proud of it. And it's been possibly make me sound racist just for saying it. For Oscar, I have Michael Pena. <laughs> no, Michael Pena's too funny. That's <laughs> give me an Oscar right now off the top of your head. Um. I couldn't really. That was a tough one because Oscar, for three seasons, he's extremely buttoned up, and he's just. And then he's like, he's gay, and you're like, oh well, I guess that's a character trait about him. Yeah, well, that's why it was such a good. That's why it was good because you didn't know he was gay. It was. It was one of the first like real portrayals of a gay person. Yeah, because know? the only thing is, uh, in season two, uh, during the Halloween episode, he's wearing a dress, and Michael makes a comment just like, "Oh, that dress. You should wear a dress every day." And he's like, yeah. "What? What?" <laughs> oh, one of and also one of the best lines is the episode where everyone finds out he's gay and he's leaving the office and he's getting picked up by his roommate, who's obviously his boyfriend, and Michael's looking out the window and he's like. I wonder if his roommate knows. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Um, but yeah, I'm. Tr- I can't. I can't think of an Oscar, and I'm not gonna just name some random. <laughs> person. Yeah, I'm not gonna do that. That's I just for sure. Well, I was more so thinking. <laughs> I also made this after just watching a trailer for Ant Man the Wasp, mm-hmm. and I was just thinking, like, you know what? Like, maybe if they had a guy who is more known for his comedic sensibilities, they could have made Oscar more of a funny yeah, character. I think he could. Michael Pena may have been a decent Ryan. I think that that could have worked out. Um, but no, I can't think of an Oscar. I didn't. That's why I didn't do it. I couldn't really think of one. Yeah, I think that I win just because I listed more characters. No. Whether they were good or bad. Qual- no, yeah, no. Quality <laughs> over quantity. Thank you. Um, yeah, but that. What should we do next? We should do like. Parks and Rec is like too recent almost to. Yeah, um, I don't know. Like, I would even go through like some like older movies and stuff like that. Movies, yeah, TV that. shows. Um, the recast like I don't know like Breaking Bad or oh shit let's recast let's recast Atlanta <laughs> with all white people yeah <laughs> and we don't see color and we'll call it Tallahassee yeah <laughs> oh no okay well let's let's wrap it up um you we finally recast the office you guys got what you wanted you bullied us into doing it you're welcome you only had to sit through. 40 minutes of basketball talk to hear it. So I hope that you enjoyed that. Yeah. And you're welcome for everything. And let us know if you like it. Uh, Maybe Drew and I will just break off and do our own podcast without Ernest. Uh, This is just, you guys are like, wow, this is so much better when there's just two of you talking. There's so much more dead air and I love dead air. Yeah. It's like, uh, it's like when like the side characters get their own spinoff and it's better. Yeah. Yeah. You know how that happens all the time. All the time, man. Yeah. Everybody loves, uh, a taxi was one of those, right? Or Cheers was a spinoff Cheers? of Taxi. Yeah, yeah. So we're we'll be Cheers. That we bought a mic is Taxi. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. There oh, we go. Oh, that was another one of my creeds. Is um Marty McFly? No, wait. The Doc. Doc. Oh, Doc. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm a big Back <laughs> to the Future fan, as you can tell. No. Yeah, yeah. But Doc, Doc, old old Doc, I think would be a great creed. 
I, I think that guy's probably dead, but do you know his name by chance? You gonna oh, you gonna oh, even try? Fucking name. He's in One Flew of the Cuckoo's Nest, and he's great. Yeah, he's amazing. Good actor. Um, so we're gonna leave you looking up on Google who his name is. Because yeah, and let us know uh, your suggestions on the social media. I'm sure that they're like good ones that we didn't think of, even though mine are like fucking great and amazing. But um, let us know who won this debate. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do that too. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm on Twitter at uh, Drew Dietzen D I E T Z E N. Post on there more than anywhere else. I'm on Facebook. Don't worry about it. I'm on uh, Instagram at Drew Dietzen. I'm at Letterboxd Drew D. Definitely one of these days gonna get on that website. That's for sure. Um, <laughs> yeah, you're you're you get you're more active on Letterboxd. Yeah, I pretty much uh, kind of blog everything that I do on Letterboxd now. I uh, I am on Letterboxd at Hunt Mobley. I'm on Twitter at the same handle. I just posted my review of Solo, uh, like my spoiler-free short review. I might actually do a full in-depth uh, review of Solo, but if you guys want a little sneak peek of what you're going to hear next Ooh. week on the pod, if you just want to go ahead and know all my takes before I say I'm live on here. You then gave it three stars out of five. <clears throat> more like three out of three. Um, so yeah, check it out on there. And if you don't want to do that, then go fuck yourself. All right. Is that it? Yep. I think that's it. Uh, you're going to play us out engineer drew. Yeah. I'm just going to look, I don't remember which chord Ernest said I can directly hook it up to. The DSXLR. Whatever. uh, Don't worry about it. And fade in and bye. (laughs) Star like Pink Floyd. Waving at rude boy. I'm waving at you boy. I love the lack of bass. Yes. Does it sound good? <laughs> Just waiting for the drop here. It's coming. It's that Kanye, you know, you gotta wait for it. We bought a bass drop. Here it comes. If you know, you know. Yeah, if you know, you know. If you know, you know. Bye.